This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allows members to request future stories and themes. Thank you for listening. This podcast contains mature content and is intended for an adult audience only. It contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of all stories is fiction with any similarities to real people or events being purely coincidental. This podcast is not intended for anything but entertainment of the listener, and if you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. Endangered Part 3 by LTPC Chapter 04 Chris pondered the recent changes to his not-all-that-human body as he operated the stovetop espresso machine he'd found in the kitchen. During his shower with Annabelle, he decided to re-establish his ritual of morning coffee delivery to Susan. Now he was just brooding as he waited for it to boil up. He might look human, but he'd barely felt it. He'd gone for a razor only to find his face absolutely smooth, not a trace of prickly stubble. Annabelle hadn't minded, teasing him for having a baby face till he kissed her into submission. It also still looked like he just had a fresh Hollywood wax, no navel or armpit hair either. On close inspection even the tiny hairs all over his body were absent. When he'd gotten back into their bedroom and decided to do his morning exercises, starting with push-ups he discovered that they were just a joke. For the first time in his life, he'd managed the fabled one-arm push-up, then asked Annabelle to push down on his shoulders as he tried again. It barely required any effort. His smell and hearing were still enhanced, but his vision was back to human standards. It was all a bit disconcerting, to be walking around in a body he thought he knew, at least when in his half-form he had constant reminders not to break things, like the unfortunate mug he'd first gotten out of the cupboard. The rumbling stovetop got his mind back on track, he poured, adding both milk and sugar, stirring with a spoon that felt like it came from a kid's tea set. Slipping into Susan's room silently and closing the door, he put it down on the bedside table before sitting next to his mother on the bed. Susan's raven hair was spread across the pillows and around her face. Her slightly more pronounced upper lip meant her mouth was always just a little open when she was relaxed, he thought it was beautiful. It struck Chris, as he watched her peaceful features, that this woman had devoted her entire life to him. He owed her so much and promised himself he would repay her, Make a life for her where she could be happy now that he didn't need her to be his protector any longer. As if feeling his promise, indeed, between being such charged feelings can often be detected, Susan's eyes opened and flicked to him, and she found herself being watched by a very serious-looking Chris. Good morning, honey. Susan croaked. You're okay after last night? You had me worried. She sniffed the air and saw the cup on the bedside stand. MMMHH, is that my coffee? I'd really hoped you'd keep pampering me. She sat up and took a sip but something was wrong. He didn't reply just kept holding their blue-eyed gaze. It was very intense, made her tummy flutter a little. Susan couldn't stand it. What is it, Chris? What's up? She asked, settling on her knees next to him. Mom. He started. Susan. I owe you so much I can't even comp. Sweetie, you don't owe me anything. I love you. Susan was a little exasperated. Already his sweet odor was exciting her, helping her wake up better than the coffee could. Let me finish. Please? Okay. She yawned, wiping some sleep away and stretching her arms up giving him a little teasing look at her nipples pressed against cloth. Watching her in her old t-shirt and flannel bottoms, Chris was momentarily distracted by her little show and some midriff before he got back on topic. I, he sighed. Susan, you were only 23 when my parents died. You didn't have to care for me yourself, heck, you could probably have sold me for a fortune. But you didn't. You became my mother and raised me in isolation. It must have been so hard at times and I'm sorry you had to do it alone. Susan held his eyes for as long as she could before her own started brimming with tears. She turned away. Why am I so emotional around him these days, she thought, trying to get herself back under control. He wasn't wrong, it had been hard, 
but seeing him now growing into a man made it all worth it. Now her body was telling her to pluck the fruits of her labor, her mind seemed incapable of mounting any real resistance. Chris pulled her gently into a sitting hug, automatically rubbing her back. Sorry, mom, don't cry. Okay. Susan sniffed into his neck. I'm a mess, huh? There was his tantalizing smell again, tickling her nostrils, insidiously working onto her lungs. Her emotions raged against each other. She wanted so badly to just kiss his skin, but would it be wrong? They were all each other had for so long, loved each other so deeply. Susan wanted more from him, to remain part of his new life rather than fade into the background as he went out and experienced it. You're fine. Chris soothed. I guess what I was trying to say is that you devoted 15 years of your life to me, but now that I've awakened I want you to do whatever you want. You can go back to your family, open your own plant nursery or herbarium, anything. We'll make it happen. You don't have to live your life around me anymore. Susan listened but couldn't bear it any longer. She turned her head and feathered her lips on the top of his shoulder, hoping he wouldn't notice what she was doing. It only made the desire worse and by the time Chris finished speaking she had reached his neck and was pressing more firmly. Chris froze as she started kissing up his neck, towards his ear. It felt great but so dangerous at the same time. So forbidden. Mom? He breathed as she started across his jaw, and her goal became clear. S-H-H-H-H. Susan soothed between her little kisses. At the edge of his mouth she paused, breathing deeply. Her body shuddered a little. You said I can do anything, did you mean it? Yes, but... Her lips intercepted his. It was such a gentle, exploratory kiss, clumsy even, but it took both of their breaths away instantly. Susan opened her eyes as she teased his lower lip between her two. He was watching her, eyes open as love and anxiety played across his face. She broke away just an inch, the hand that had worked its way into his short, blonde hair came down to cup his cheek. Let me stay with you like this. She pleaded, desperate for their love to survive this metamorphosis. He had been her life for so long, this would only intertwine them further. Her lips had set his body tingling, so soft and loving. Her beautiful, tear-streaked face told him this was what she truly wanted. He realized he could easily love her this way too. Mom, my Susan. Susan. Chris sighed, watching her eyes intently. They seemed hopeful yet sad and oh so vulnerable. I do love you, maybe even a little like this already. He accentuated his point by stroking her flank up to the underside of her full, unsupported breast. Pausing to watch her, his thumb played lovingly across her tatty old t-shirt just below her left boob. But? Susan asked forlornly. She loved his hand on her like that but it was a cruel tease if he wouldn't let her be with him. Annabelle. I can't cheat on her, Mom. Then there's the fact that this feels like a whisper away from incest. Chris, please, you're a dragon now. I want to be part of that. And there's no legal way it could be incest. Couldn't we just talk about it with Annabelle? I don't know if I'm ready for this, Susan. My dragon really wants to but it's a big step for me. It's not that I don't want to. Lord knows I've fantasized about it sometimes. He blushed at that confession, especially when her eyes brightened. But people talk, I'm not comfortable enough with myself or where I stand in this world to deal with people judging me for incest. I'm not your mother. Susan said a little bitterly. I may as well be stranger you met on the street yesterday, that's how related we are. It's not that, you'll always be my mother. But he couldn't stand the hurt look she gave him so he relented, pulling her back to his lips. It was most definitely the wrong thing to do. Susan was more forceful this time, taking advantage of his invitation. Her tongue slipped into his mouth after a few seconds of resistance. She moaned when she got a real taste of him, spicy and a little sweet heady with magic. Soon Chris couldn't help but reciprocate as his own beautiful mother plundered his mouth. He felt a little insecure that it was all just the effects of being a dragon, but then he remembered that it couldn't create feelings out of nothing, it could only enhance them. Besides, he knew Susan loved him, although this was certainly an unexpected aspect of her love. So instead of doubting this and pulling back, he flicked his tongue languidly against hers before taking control of their kiss and exploring her mouth, loving her groan of approval. A few minutes later, Chris found himself kissing down Susan's neck and nuzzling into her long, rich, black hair. She always smelled floral using whatever she grew in her own perfumes or soaps. At the moment it was a light jasmine, exquisitely combined with her natural body odor and thick arousal. She was cooing as he kissed her, flushed across her neck and breasts. Chris's one-track mind flashed ahead to imagine what delightful sounds she would make while he teased her slick womanhood. 
He almost reached down to find out but reason and whatever remained of his human decency stopped him. Susan. He panted, sitting up so his forehead was against hers. What? She asked, a little frustrated that he'd stopped. If we do this, I gotta take it slow. And we have to talk to Annabelle, like right now. Susan opened hopeful eyes to find him watching her yet again. We're doing it though, right? Oh yeah. Chris smiled back. He was beyond the point of no return. Susan just tackled him back onto the bed with a girlish squeal, laying her chest down on top of him and kissing all around his mouth. Thank you, Chris. She tittered. I was so worried you wouldn't let me. Chris rolled her off him, lying on his back and staring up into the ceiling. What have I done? My own mother. I'm seducing my own goddamn mother, he thought. You love it, teased the dragon weakly. Shut up. Chris shot back but right then his erection twitched. He looked down to find his sweatpants tented and a slight wet patch where the head pressed up into the gray material and his pre-cum had leaked. Susan watched him, knew that some part of him was struggling. Hey, she assured. It's going to be fine, Chris. I don't think I've told you this before, but do you remember the two workat women who came to your parents' house all the time? You loved to play with them. I think you even pulled one of their tails once. There was a young vampire, too. Anyway, they were your father's partners. Sarah and Margaret? Chris couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah? Susan giggled. You could hear them going at it out in the guest house, especially when the girls were in heat. She was the one who took the vampire in the first place. She'd been abused but ended up falling in love with your father. No way. And Marie, my mother knew. It was such a foreign concept. Being raised as a human had ingrained him with social mores not befitting his species. You didn't ever. Chris asked tentatively. No. Susan assured. I mean, your father was very attractive but I was there to look after you. Besides, he had his plate full and I was intimidated by him. I was only twenty-one when I started working for them. You were just two and a half. Wow. Chris sighed, the vision of his mother and father's relationship somewhat in tatters. I guess I'll go get Annabelle so we can talk. This is going to go down a treat. I think she'll be fine, Chris. Susan sat up as he got to his feet. Oh, hey, D. Chris practiced in a sarcastic sing-song voice. Mom and I were just making out a bit in her room. You're all good with that, right? Susan couldn't help but laugh. Fuck my life. He mumbled as he started boldly for the door. He ended up just peeking his head out of Susan's room, hiding his flagging erection behind the door. Annabelle was in the kitchen with Lillian, about to start making breakfast for them. Annabelle. Chris called weakly. Can you come in here for a bit? Sure, babe. I was just about to start on breakfast. Is Susan up? Yeah. Chris mumbled. As Annabelle entered the room, she could tell something was off. For one, Chris kept his distance and didn't touch her like he might usually. Secondly, either of them would look her in the eye. Then she realized Susan was decidedly flushed and in a strange place on the bed. Her eyes flashed back to her boyfriend and she spotted the little wet patch by on his pants and a very guilty look on his face. It all clicked. Already, Chris? We had sex like, like an hour ago. Annabelle huffed. She was jealous but, to her own surprise, not furious. Annoyed would better describe how she felt. I'm sorry, Annabelle, it... I didn't mean... Look, it just happened, all right? I love you both and I stopped so we could all talk about it before it went any further. Chris moved closer to Annabelle, hoping she wouldn't pull away. I started it, Annabelle. I kissed him. Susan said from the bed. I begged for him to let us be lovers. Don't be mad at him. No, Susan, that's no excuse. I wanted it too. Chris confessed. I'm not hat mad. Annabelle said a little more calmly. Look, it's a bit of a shock. I can't say I'm happy about it at the moment, but we talked about this the other night. You're a dragon and you are supposed to have a brood. I just didn't expect it to happen so quickly. It's like you're interrupting my honeymoon. You're not. Chris began incredulously. He was either the luckiest guy on the planet, or she was plotting an overly elaborate revenge. You don't care that it's incest? It's not really incest. Susan and Annabelle said in unison then couldn't help but burst into laughter. Jinx. Annabelle joked but Susan shut up right away. Perhaps witches had some greater respect for the word. I guess I'm a bit disappointed but you still love me, right? You still want to be with me? Always. That's a promise. Then it's okay. No matter what else happens, 
I said that, didn't I? Annabelle answered, swallowing visibly, still a bit miffed. I also remember something about bridges. She closed the gap and wrapped her arms around Chris. Well, here's me crossing it. He was in shock. You're incredible. He mumbled into her hair, kissing the top of her head that he was in absolute awe of his girlfriend, who was clearly more adaptable than he was. It seemed so far-fetched, so inconceivable, there had to be something else going on. It was almost magical. I'm so sorry you even need to be exposed to this. Well, if it's part of the package, I'll deal with it. Besides, if there's anyone who deserves your love even close to as much as I do, it's her. Annabelle reasoned, trying to let the angst flow out of her. Susan sat mute on the bed, unable to make a single sound. She opened her mouth like a fish, tried to talk but nothing worked. Just let's talk about it all before you do anything too serious. Annabelle continued. Absolutely, I want to take it slow. Chris assured. It's a big change for us to make. We were only kissing. He paused. Well, to be honest, it got pretty heavy, and it could have easily gone further. That's okay. I think. Look, just don't have sex without asking me, all right? Chris just hugged her tighter, so grateful she was this forgiving. This might be weird. Annabelle murmured, hugging him back. But do you think I could be there when you guys make out? I mean, I want to see if I'm actually okay with it rather than the idea of it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think that might be a good idea. We can go at a pace everyone's comfortable with. Thank you so much, Annabelle. I couldn't stand to lose you. A massive weight seemed to lift from his shoulders. She was going to be okay. Susan? Annabelle asked. Are you okay with that? Getting no reply, they turned to look at Susan, who was gesticulating a little too urgently that she couldn't speak. Geez, Susan, it was just a joke. I release you, Annabelle said teasingly. How did you do that? Susan gasped, clutching her throat. What? That spell, how did you stop me talking? Susan rushed off the bed, pulling Annabelle out of Chris's arms and shaking her a little. A spell? I didn't. I just said jinx. It's a joke. Annabelle replied, frightened at Susan's harsh reaction. Annabelle's skin started to feel dangerously warm to Susan. She quickly took a step back, holding her arms up in a peaceful gesture, trying to placate the hidden little dragon which clearly saw her as a threat. Thankfully, she'd understood its warning, making Annabelle's skin hot, before it did anything to her like it had to Lillian. I'm sorry Annabelle, I didn't mean to scare you but it was quite disconcerting to be silenced. My god, it's actually using magic on your behalf, what's going on? Chris was very confused. When she said jinx, I really couldn't make a sound. Her tattoo, it's powerful and complex. Susan looked at Annabelle, musing. Somehow you must have thought that I couldn't talk and the dragon just did what you wanted it to. What? Annabelle exclaimed. But I didn't feel anything, it was just a joke. That's cool. Commented Chris, sweeping Annabelle back into an embrace. Bartholomew poked his head from under her sleeve, then trotted down to her wrist. Did you do that? Annabelle asked, a little scared of the unpredictable enchantment. The dragon puffed some purple smoke out nose in the affirmative. Please, Bartholomew, Susan is a friend. I only want you to help her or protect her. The same goes for Lillian, the vampire. Okay? Annabelle begged the tiny tattoo. It might not be as simple as that. Susan considered. He's a living spell, intelligent, and clearly able to go well beyond simply protecting Annabelle. I hate to say this but we should show him to Lady Narlaki sometime today. She's probably the most powerful spellweaver in the Americas and she's got millennia of experience. Wait. Can I do magic now? Annabelle asked excitedly. I don't know, Annabelle. You certainly did something to stop me talking. If you can learn to control and work with the spell, maybe. That's just speculation, though. Don't try at the moment. On the one hand, it could be very dangerous to attempt magic without understanding the fundamentals. On the other hand, Susan wasn't sure the fundamentals even applied to Annabelle. She was using the dragon's magic rather than her own. I promise not to try but I honestly didn't mean to silence you, Susan. It was out of my control. Annabelle was worried but so excited at the same time. Thank you, Chris. You don't know how much Bartholomew means to me. I won't just be a human familiar if I can do some magic or have a protective enchantment. I'll be relevant, right, Susan? Well, you'll certainly be unique. A bit of a shock to the system, so to speak. Susan watched a little hopefully as Chris embraced Annabelle, wanting to be close to him too. 
She honestly had no idea where Annabelle would fit in now. A human infused with a living spell which appeared to be somewhat under her control, it was unheard of. Chris beckoned Susan closer till he could wrap her under an arm. The two women assessed each other with their heads resting inches apart on either side of his broad chest as they hugged him back. Looking down at the slightly shorter woman, Annabelle saw the happiness in her blue eyes as Susan accepted his embrace, rubbing her cheek into his pectoral and pushing her entire body against him. She knew that heady feeling and gave Susan a little nod of approval. She would share him, share the happiness he could bring. It would be cruel to deny her that happiness when it was so clearly what she needed. Thank you, Susan whispered, her eyes brimmed with happy tears. I'll take it as slow as you want, and you can be there if that's what you need. Chris nuzzled the top of his girlfriend's head first, kissing her scalp before moving to the raven hair of his mother and repeating the process. His dragon gave a weak purr of happiness in his mind as they turned their faces up in unison. Annabelle came first, receiving a few seconds of gentle kissing. Neither of them pushed their tongues further than the other's lips but it was very loving, intimate, a reassurance of their feelings. Once they parted Chris leaned down to Susan who was patiently waiting her turn and pushed up on her toes to meet him. Their kiss was slow but more passionate, their tongues dancing softly against each other, an expression of their newly acknowledged desires. Oh, I could get used to that. Susan breathed as Chris broke their kiss. You haven't seen anything yet. Annabelle warned happily. It had been something else to watch them kiss. Weird, but also hot. Their obvious loving desire only cemented that she was doing the right thing, maybe not by the human world standards, but they weren't in the human world. Perhaps it was just another magical side effect of his proximity and his recent, very satisfying betting, but she was starting to almost feel good about this. I love you both so much. Chris murmured, squeezing their soft bodies closer for a second. I love you too. Came a disjoined, mixed reply from both women. No jinx. Annabelle qualified. They both giggled a little uncertainly. Okay, what are we going to do today? Chris asked. I need clothes. Annabelle said. These ones are smelly and I don't have any changes. We should go see Lady Narlakis. Susan said. She might even know by now and we'll go to see Lord Guthrie. I wanted to go see the Magic District and set up my new gadgets. We can do all that today, can't we? Chris asked. Yeah, and let's set aside about HRRM. Two hours of dedicated petting time. Susan laughed. Deal. Annabelle confirmed. I'm in trouble, aren't I? Chris asked with fake worry, guiding them both out towards the living room, one beautiful, loving woman held close in each arm. Absolutely. Annabelle replied. Lillian was about when they emerged. Susan inwardly cursed herself. The vampire had probably heard everything they just discussed. She blushed a little before remembering that the entire apartment was bugged. Lady Narlakis already knew about her planned conquest of Chris. She supposed there wasn't a way of hiding it, really, and she wanted an open, public relationship with him anyway, but had hoped to keep it discreet for a while. Deciding to throw caution to the wind, Susan sat next to Chris at the kitchen bar and pulled him into a brief, rather unmotherly kiss before scooting closer and cuddling up, even giving the watchful vampire a little nod. Annabelle, who just started on making them all omelets, smiled ruefully. Lillian had heard their discussion and saw Susan's kiss for what it was, an announcement. That wasn't a problem for her, outside of a harshly quashed twinge of jealousy, but she looked to the human girl to see her reaction. Annabelle seemed to be okay with it. Interesting. Lillian had heard tell male dragons were notorious for developing cherished broods of willing females. They somehow always seemed to get along without any major catfights despite the strong, powerful women involved. There must be something magical at work. Lillian couldn't fathom sharing a man like that. Her vampiric nature was too possessive and greedy. Annabelle interrupted the vampire's thoughts. Can we open the blinds, Lillian? It would be nice to see some sunlight in here. Sorry. That's fine, Annabelle. Just give me a second. Lillian closed her eyes and muttered a well-practiced incantation, one of the only ones most vampires ever bothered with. Over the next few seconds her tall body faded from view. Jeans, black long-sleeve, jacket, boots, and all. Okay, you can open the blinds now. It's the big switch over by the window. Came the vampire's disembodied voice. Annabelle watched in disbelief and no one moved to open the blinds. A big sigh came from the direction of the vampire. Well, how else am I supposed to go out in the sunlight? Lillian asked as she walked over to slap the switch herself. This way it all just passes straight through me. 
I wouldn't be very good at my job if I could only come out at night. The blinds opened slowly, revealing busy morning streets and letting the bright sunlight stream in. Can all vampires do that? Annabelle asked, terrified by the thought of invisible bloodsuckers lurking everywhere around her. She had no clue where Lillian was other than when she spoke, realizing how reliant humans were on their vision. Most do, eventually. Lillian said, enjoying Annabelle's distress a little. It usually takes around 200 years for young vampires to grow powerful enough to pull it off, though, it's the biggest milestone in a vampire's life. How old are you? Annabelle asked. Tut tut, Annabelle. Lillian whispered from behind her. That's a bit rude. Annabelle squealed, bolting around the counter into Chris's embrace. That's enough, Lillian. Chris said firmly, addressing the presence he felt leaning against the stove. You can see her? Annabelle asked tentatively, peeking towards where he was looking but seeing nothing. No, but I can feel her presence, as well as hear and smell her. So can I, said Susan. But it's not very exact for me. If you were were, I think you could still smell and hear her, although she's pretty quiet. Don't tease Annabelle, Lillian. It's dangerous now, she already burned you and silenced Susan this morning. He knew the vampire was just having a little fun, but it set his tired dragon on edge to have his first feel threatened in any way. Don't remind me. Lillian grimaced, testing her regrown hand. It was pretty much back to its original state, but perhaps she would feed tonight. I'm sorry to scare you. It was just a little fun and I couldn't help myself. That's okay. Annabelle cautiously returned to the heating pan. Just try not to scare me too much. I asked Bartholomew not to hurt you but he seems to do his own thing. She began preparing the omelets again but suddenly hesitated. I'm not going to bump into you am I? I'll get out of the way. Lillian chuckled. I'm almost 500 by the way. We grow more powerful as we age and I have my telekinesis but we always struggle with magic. They ended up agreeing to get some clothes for Annabelle first. She'd insisted on it, given it was the start of day three for her underwear. An invisible Lillian made a phone call to Oslo, a very large, shaggy man who would be their visible protection while they were out. Oslo was a werebear, a grizzly. Lillian always liked him because he was quiet, observant, and generally didn't seem to give a shit. That, and he was never sniffing around her proverbial skirts like some of the other men she worked with. Adversaries sometimes mistook him to be dim, but that was their undoing. He knocked on their door about half an hour later and Lillian introduced him. Chris had returned his crushing handshake with equal force as they sized each other up, acknowledging strength when they saw it. Annabelle was intimidated but Chris persuaded her to shake his hand, too. Oslo noticed the protectiveness and care the dragon had for her. As a family man, he respected that. He decided that he already liked the dragon. Their mismatched party walked down the streets of the Magic District, Chris and Annabelle marveling that beings could live and work their secret lives right next to humans. It wasn't obvious but now that he knew, something stood out a little. There were no chain or franchise stores and there seemed to be an overabundance of slightly, quirky shops. People both human and being, identified by their auras, seemed busy and happy as tea. Some of the beings sported slightly out-of-place clothing too, but it was only noticeable to the initiated. Overall it seemed vibrant, a little town nestled away inside a city, and there was literally magic in the air. Invisible, Lillian lead them to a nearby cluster of independent stores. She explained that none of them were being only stores, they maintained a standard floor stock but that they would have some enchanted clothing out back. Annabelle thrilled at the idea of enchanted clothes but realized she had no way of paying, only about $400 was in her account. The rest was in savings to pay for her life next year at school. I can help, Chris offered. I brought plenty with me. Oh, but Chris, you need it. It's okay, Annabelle, we'll get what you need. Besides, you're my familiar now, I get to do what I want with you, don't I? He whispered the last part directly in her ear, sending lustful, loving feelings down their magical bond. She blushed, and it was surprisingly dark. What I mean is, he said aloud for everyone to hear. I can cover the essentials for the next few days, until you can collect whatever you need back home. All right. Thank you. She nodded, recovering from her flush as he held the door to the shop for her when they saw the prices on the items. However, they almost just walked out. Hey, come on, these are good prices. Lillian seemed to block the door with her voice. And you will be expected to maintain an image among other beings, Chris, whether you like it or not. You'd also be supporting local business. Susan added helpfully, 
smiling and patting Chris's shoulder as if to smooth over Lillian's gruffness. That's also kind of expected among your own kind. You've got to be kidding. Chris kept his voice low so as not to be blaring across the shop. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to pay three times as much for regular clothes just because someone's feelings might be hurt if I don't dress as they expect me to. Oslo's chuckle was about the deepest bass that any of them had ever heard, practically rumbling through the floor beneath their feet. But Chris, honey. Susan began, and Lillian seemed to elbow her to get her attention. They all looked to see Annabelle fawning over a pair of jeans she obviously loved, the enthusiastic assistant having already snared her, and happy to fuss over her figure until the sun set behind the mountains. Ah, shit. Chris muttered, as Susan and Lillian drifted over to provide support for the spree.i in the end, he and Oslo muttered condolences to each other by the door until it was time to ring it all up, two t-shirts, a mid-length black skirt, a blue tank, windbreaker, a long-sleeved, gray pullover, and three panty bra sets. Just under a thousand dollars. Oh, Annabelle said, eyeballing the pieces as if trying to decide what to put back. The problem was that they were all the basics she would need. I got it, love, Chris murmured, paying the assistant before she could stop him. She hugged him fervently as they left the store. Thank you, these truly are the nicest clothes I've ever owned. They're made so well. But you shouldn't have spent so much. You're welcome, and it's fine. He assured her. I know they'll look great on you. I'll be able to make money once I start accepting contracts through Maginet. Lillian suggested they go find Annabelle an evening dress and some shoes but that was vetoed, and they'd ended up going back to the hotel-slash-apartment so Annabelle could change and Chris could collect the small, heavy black toiletries bag containing the last of his cash and all of his gold. When he asked about a gold exchange... Lillian explained that gold was more valuable than the human currency he could get exchanging it. Besides the shops they were going to would accept gold anyway. Annabelle chose the black skirt, the blue tank, and the gray pullover, which all looked nice with her sandals. Chris lost all regrets for his money when he laid eyes on her. She was absolutely stunning. Her long legs looked even creamier against the black skirt, showing a little of her sleek thighs. She'd pinned her hair so the soft, loose curls cascaded down her back. The pullover was clingy, conforming perfectly to her slim waist and slightly bulged chest. The blue tank top just peeked out from underneath. He couldn't help but hug her when she presented herself and whisper in her ear. You look lovely. They'd walked back into the district, heading toward one of Lillian's favorite stores. She always had liked to shop, even if it wasn't for herself. Buying beautiful things with someone else's money was fun, a pleasurable relic of her pampered human life so long ago. They looked for a dress first. The owner of one shop, a young witch named Mary, even looked after them herself once Lillian made herself known. Lillian was important, beautiful, and a loyal customer after all. The transparent vampire explained they were looking for a dress. Something Annabelle could wear to dinner with Lady Narlaki's but also to a club with her boyfriend, pointing out Chris by the door. Well, what's he going to wear? Asked Mary, wondering which of her customers was wearing the delightful perfume. It was a nice, manly smell so perhaps it was of the men off to the side. Oh, probably just something like he is now. Annabelle explained. He loves his jeans and you'd never get him into a suit or anything like that. Let's find you something to force him out of the jeans, huh? Mary chuckled. Good luck with that. Susan laughed. Okay. Annabelle said meekly, she was completely out of her league in a shop like this. Sure, she looked at nice clothes in shops at home or on the internet, but didn't know anything about choosing a fancy evening dress. Mary led them into the back, and began showing off her best wares including the various enchanted clothing she'd worked on herself. Lillian made herself visible again to help Annabelle choose something, as the back room was completely sunproof. Chris had noticed they were going out back and followed curiously, finding the women gushing over variously colored stylish numbers. Annabelle was explaining that she wanted something which could be multipurpose because they could only afford one. None of the dresses even had price tags. That must be a bad sign. I think I have just the thing for you. Mary mused. She didn't know who Annabelle was but if Lillian was with her, she must be pretty important. This one is one of my favorites. It's silk but I've enchanted it to be durable and stain resistant. I'd still recommend you only hand wash it but I think you'd look lovely in it, Annabelle. And black is always sexy. We'll shame him into wearing something nicer. She smiled over at Chris as she said that. What's wrong with this? Chris asked, a little defensive. Jeans, boots and a nice t-shirt or button-up were his tried and true. If there was an occasion and Susan or Annabelle forced him, 
he'd switch out the t-shirt for a nicer long sleeve, but he usually ended up rolling up the sleeves anyway. In summer he might even wear shorts if it got really hot. To be fair, he was small town, through and through. Oh, nothing really, but she'll look like a princess in this. You should try to look your best for her, too. Mary handed the black silk to Annabelle. Go try it on, dear, no bra though. The silk flowed over her hand like water as she walked into the little back back room to change. She'd never worn anything like this. It was so shapeless she could barely figure out how it went on. She stripped out of her newly bought clothes, removed her bra, and let the silk flow down over her body. It felt delightfully cool to the touch. She looked in the mirror and gasped, slinky. That was the best she could come up with that IT might be a bit too loose around her chest, but it conformed to her waist and hips without clinging to them, until the hem fluttered at the middle of her thigh. It was partially backless, exposing her registration with thin shoulder straps crossing just below her shoulder blades to meet the other side of the dress below her breasts. Between the crossing straps on her back was a massive valley of exposed pale skin, traveling almost to the thinnest part of her waist. It felt like she was naked. She barely had the confidence to show the others, let alone wear it in public. She looked for Chris as she tentatively emerged. He was already striding forwards, reaching for her with lust in his eyes. He saw she was nervous and stroked her cheek a little before leaning down for a relatively chaste kiss. You're ridiculously gorgeous, D. Chris whispered against her cheek as he stroked the bared skin of her lower back. Then he turned to Mary. We'll take it. He didn't care how much it cost at that point. Well, let me have a look at her first. Mary moving forward. Yes, you're stunning in this, Han. Hmm, we might resize it in the chest a little, no offense. Now turn around for me. Annabelle did so slowly, exposing her back. You're a familiar. Mary commented as she checked the fit around Annabelle's flanks. But who's your dash? Bartholomew took the opportunity to introduce himself then. Having previously wrapped himself around her belly button, he waltzed up her back to lay on her other tattoo again. Mary jumped back quickly. What the hell is that? A dragon? But! Her voice died and she wheeled on Chris. Guilty. He chuckled. Lillian, you bitch, you brought him in here and didn't tell me? Mary exclaimed. Oh my god, I can't believe he's in my shop. Everyone was talking about it yesterday. It's not a big deal. Chris tried. Lillian laughed at that. Uh, yeah it is. Mary replied, forgetting to not be argumentative. Whatever, can we please get the dress? Yes. Sorry. Oh, Annabelle, you lucky girl, oh my god. Okay, let's pull the chest in a bit. Mary slipped a finger under the sides and up against the surface of Annabelle's breasts, muttering as the cloth shrank a little. It was still loose enough to fall away in front between where the thin straps attached, showing the soft skin between her breasts. If she'd had more there, the cleavage might have been ridiculous, but as it was it was a tantalizing display of her small, well-formed assets. All right, let's bag that up for you. Annabelle emerged from changing back into her previous clothes a few minutes later to find Chris being persuaded into buying a pair of black slacks and a very nice light blue shirt. They eventually went to the counter to pay, and Annabelle noticed Mary added a length of frilly ribbon the same color as his new shirt but dreaded what the damage might be. How would you like to pay for the dress? I'd like to throw in the pants and shirt as a gift. Mary was trying her best. That really isn't necessary. Chris replied. It made him nervous to have the stranger doting on him like this. I insist I can't part with the dress for free though. I've spent quite a while working on it. How about gold? Asked Chris. Wouldn't you like to hold on to that? If I had you alone for a few nights, we could em. You could help me perform some interesting magic. It would be more than enough to. A few nights of spell casting with the dragon would be more than lucrative, extremely pleasurable, too, from what she'd heard. Dragons had an almost cult reputation among female beings, which was only given more fuel by the complete lack of reliable first-hand accounts. I'm flattered, but no. Sorry. Chris apologized surprisingly gracefully while Annabelle was a little flustered. If she understood correctly, the woman had propositioned her own boyfriend to prostitute himself while she stood right next to him. Very well, how does two and a half ounces sound? Mary said, trying to hide her disappointment as she pulled out a digital scale from under the counter, zeroing it. About three grand? Extortionate. Chris replied with a little smile. But it's a very nice dress. He got out two pre-weighed bags of dust and another of assorted nuggets, which could be split more easily, 
Mary picked up a bag to examine it, using her magical senses as well to examine the metal. She saw something there that she'd only ever heard about, a warm glow and a sense of movement, like the dust in the bag was actually molten. You've given me the wrong bag. This is dragon gold, isn't it? Lillian inhaled sharply. Susan had been waiting to call out the witch, waiting to see if she was actually honest once she discovered what Chris had to offer. Yes, it is, Susan said matter-of-factly. What's that? Chris asked. He doesn't know? Lillian exclaimed. Jesus Christ! She narrowed her eyes at the young man. I'm going to have to watch you closely, dragon. I wouldn't have let him give it away, Susan said. You could have told me. How much do you have? It should be in the compound vault. Lillian pushed forward to look into the small case. He must have at least thirty of the little plastic bags, mostly dust and tiny nuggets in the little toiletries bag. She hefted it delicately after extracting it from Chris's hand. The surprises never stop with you, do they? Can someone please tell me what the fuck dragon gold is? Chris asked, getting fed up with people ignoring him. It's gold collected from the earth and hoarded by a dragon. Mary explained. It's magically imbued with the dragon's power and greed. Placed next to other precious metals it slowly makes them grow. That's why in all the legends the dragons are lying on massive piles of treasure. It literally grows around them when they care for it, even more if they take it from the earth themselves. Mary marveled at the value of the single ounce bag she held in her hand. Dragon gold is also used instead of regular gold as part of a spell or potion. It makes the effects far more powerful or long-lasting. Yeah, so what's the big deal? If it grows then. Chris clearly still didn't understand. Chris. Lillian caught his attention, her expression intense. It loses its power as soon as the dragon it belonged to dies. People usually drain its power into other gold to increase their holdings or use it up in powerful spells. Ever since dragons started being hunted, before I was even made vampire, it's been very rare. The dragon has to lovingly take it from the earth, with their bare hands, no magic, only a few ever bothered because it's such hard work. Besides, dragons are notoriously miserly. Now that dragons themselves are so rare as well. I doubt there's been dragon gold on the market for a hundred years. Chris took a moment to process this information. It seemed he was constantly bombarded with new aspects of his own nature. Sure, he had enjoyed the excitement of searching for hidden treasure in the silts of a cold mountain creek. He'd loved being outdoors and splashing around in the water and sunshine, and he did get a comforting feeling from keeping the gold he collected close by. Miserly though? He didn't think he was miserly, and he never could have guessed that he was investing magical value to his small bag of treasure. He turned to Susan with a question in his eyes. Why didn't you tell me, Mom? I didn't want it to ruin what you enjoyed. She said. You were always so happy going off on your little expeditions, I didn't want that to change. I would have stopped you if you tried to exchange it, but I didn't want to worry you that people would come hunting for your gold as well as for you. So how much is it worth? he queried, giving his mother's hand a reassuring squeeze. I'd be very happy with one-tenth of an ounce for the dress, Mary said tentatively. You'd be happy with one-fiftieth, spat Lillian, suddenly defensive. It's practically priceless. Sorry, I don't mean to cheat him, Lillian. Mary apologized hastily at the vampire's anger. I don't know what it's worth. Chris was startled. It was finally sinking in just how valuable his little hoard was. The problem was, he'd been prepared to part with two and a half ounces. It didn't feel right to give Mary so much less now, after she'd been the one to point out its true worth. His gold didn't feel that special to him, perhaps he'd never really been exposed to anything other than dragon gold. He made a snap decision when he remembered what Lillian had said. If dragons were so miserly, today he was going to be generous. What if I gave you one ounce as thanks for being helpful and honest? It's too much. Mary glanced at Lillian. It's my gold, isn't it? Chris asked. Yes, but... Mary started. Okay, so, please take it, it's yours. Chris closed her hand around the small bag she still clutched. I hope it serves you well, Mary. Th. Thank you. She stuttered, putting the bag in a pouch at her neck before bagging up their purchases. Annabelle was stunned. The gold she'd previously thought must be a small fortune was worth over fifty times its face value, if a value could even be assigned. Lillian held back a little as the others began to leave. I hope you realize how generous that was. That he gave it to you freely makes it even more potent, you know. She hissed. Thank you for being honest, but I can't let you sell that. 
It would be too obvious where you got it, and he's already in enough danger. You'd be putting both him and yourself at risk if you even tell anyone about it. It's worth far more than fifty times its weight to some. There are spells which haven't been wrought for years. I didn't want to sell it. Mary assured. I just don't know what to do. Maybe I could use it in my Everclean potion spray but that seems like a waste. It would be, clothes don't need to be clean for ten thousand fucking years. Lillian paused to think. I'll ask Lady Narlakis if she'll pay a renting fee for having it sit in her treasury. Lillian thought the drow would probably go for it, if she didn't try to snare the rest of Chris's stash as soon as she found out. Thank you, Lillian. Mary breathed a sigh and a shudder as the vampire made herself invisible again before following the dragon. Vampires, always so friendly and charming, until they aren't. She'd been going to call her friends, gloat that the rumors of a dragon were true and that he'd been shopping in her store. Now she felt the weight of the gold, heavy beyond its true weight with magic. It pulled at her neck but felt warm nestled between her breasts. Realizing her friends would know something was up if they ever found out from anyone else, she sent out a message through Maginette, not feeling the sense of giddy excitement she tried to express in the email. Outside, Lillian called in her latest discovery to Rayla. She had to really. What? Lillian, put him on the phone right now. Lillian rolled her eyes but handed the phone to the dragon. She wants to talk to you. Hello? Chris greeted her as he put the phone to his ear. Chris, is what she just told me true? Well, yeah. How did you get it? From trade? No. I read about the gold rushes when I was younger and wanted to see what it would be like. I got lucky that first time and kept going back every few weekends because I enjoyed it. The drow sounded like she might have been having some serious trouble breathing evenly. She spoke only once she was more calm. And you are walking out on the street with it? Chris, dear, can I persuade you to secure it somewhere where others will not be tempted? Like where? It should be in a vault, as any gold is nowadays. I have a vault at the compound that has never been broken into. It will be safe. I would be happy to store it for you. No, thanks, Rayla. It's mine, and I think I'd like to keep it nearby. The next pause was filled with Lillian wondering whether Rayla could hold herself back or if she'd push too hard again. The drow surprised her by conceding. For now. Very well, Chris. I look forward to seeing you this afternoon. They ended up finding Annabelle a set of sneakers, some nice flats, and a pair of black heels to go with her dress. Chris also got some shoes to go with his new pants. This time, Susan paid cash. Around mid-afternoon they wound back through the underground passageways to see Rayla. She had them seated in her dark office this time, lounging on low couches near an open fire. Chris thought the fire was a bit over the top, but to each their own. He was, however, impressed by the high shelves of tomes and scrolls. Rayla had clearly amassed an impressive collection of magical knowledge to match her powerful and wise aura. Looking around he realized this was the stuff she wanted people to see. She no doubt had many secrets vaulted away as well. When Rayla approached them, she first examined Annabelle carefully. The drow probed gently so as not to have the feisty little enchantment lash out at her. She'd even shielded herself before launching a gout of flame just past Annabelle to the right. It had bounced right back at the elf with the bright flare of a purple barrier, and she'd caught it quickly. Shit! Chris whispered to himself, trying to calm his anxious inner dragon. Annabelle had been even more terrified than excited as the spell rebounded. The calculating look on the beautiful drow's face told her she was no longer insignificant to these people. Lady Narlakis, forever dressed in some sort of beautiful gown, didn't dare try any of her more powerful or insidious attacks intelligently fearing for herself if they also rebounded, or for Annabelle's safety if they didn't, and her own yet again as the real dragon would no doubt retaliate. The more she was close to Chris, the more she realized that he was almost her equal. Frightening because she'd worked thousands of years to grow her immense power, Rayla watched Annabelle interact with the little tattoo dragon, seeing how it listened and responded to her, wondering how it had muted Susan that morning. It was indeed a living spell, unheard of in that it was cast on a human. Living's enchantments were rare and unique, it was impossible to say what they could or couldn't do. They were living so they could change and evolve, as could the owner of the enchantment. I agree that Annabelle is well protected for the moment. Rayla finally said after long moments of contemplation. She should get some education in the basic exchanges of magic and energy. We will have the tattoo, Bartholomew. Annabelle said, and the drown nearly grimaced. Yes, we will have Bartholomew registered in your section on Chris's profile. When conversation returned to Chris's small stockpile of gold, 
Rayla urged him that if word of it ever got out, it was almost an attractive target as he was. And who exactly is going to steal or kidnap in your community, Lady Narlakis? Chris asked reasonably. Well, I admit there are some less, desirable elements living amongst us. Rayla replied. Beings who still maintain the secret, but barely live inside the council's other guidelines. There are even those who have rejected the council's authority altogether. Susan added. They live in hiding away from the central hubs of each territory. The drow arched an eyebrow at the witch but nodded in agreement. There are only around half a million beings in the world, so it is easy to lose yourself in the sea of humans, if that's how you wanted to hide. These are the types who steal and kidnap, those who value personal gain above any sense of loyalty or community to beings as a whole. They live darker lives beneath the face they show the world. Chris mulled that over. So, do you know how much my gold is really worth? The witch at the store didn't know. Rayla sighed again at that unfortunate indiscretion. I estimate that you could name your own price in any barter. But please, Chris, if you need to purchase something, exchange your gold with me for some other form of currency. It would not do to have dragon gold on the open market during these tentative times for your species. They talked amiably about Rayla's territory for a while, the Midwestern Territory. Fairly different from the humans' political borders, the Midwest area included the Great Plains and the Rockies, from Canada to Mexico. Despite it being the largest area under one being's oversight, it had the smallest population of the four territories in the states, but was also the easiest to manage when compared to the complex, central hubs located in many of the largest human cities on the east and west coasts. As with most all territories, wars and magical humans were the most numerous. It was nature's way of balancing she explained, there were far fewer of the older, more individually powerful beings such as elves and elementals because they reproduced much more slowly even if they did live for thousands of years. Rayla's territory was especially hassle-free, much of the great tracts of land under her control were only frequented by were packs. They naturally preferred the access to wilderness rather than living in cities and their pack structure made them almost completely self-governed. Rayla generally left them alone if they didn't cause trouble, and that was the way they liked it. Chris had some questions about dragons but Rayla begged off, asking him to wait until he went to see Lord Guthrie in four days' time. I have sent a message to my bastard cousin as well, she said with a smile. He's an ether mage of somewhat dodgy repute, but I've asked him to come and tutor a promising young candidate in the secrets of the ether. Once you are settled in, we will discuss your education and employment further. I already have several options in mind that you might enjoy. When they left, Susan was feeling better about their entire situation in Denver. Rayla seemed to be honestly providing sound, if somewhat self-centered advice to Chris, even putting in the extra effort to examine Annabelle and get a tutor in for Chris's ether magic. Annabelle called her parents that evening. Jim and Barbara Somerset were less than impressed. You get your ass back home, now. That's not really possible. I'll report a kidnapping, or a missing person. Dad, the first thing the police will do is call my cell and I can tell them myself that I'm fine. I'm just moving out a bit early and I'm going to move in with Chris. I'll be back in a few days to collect my stuff. Her father proceeded to call Chris all sorts of unchristian names. I want to speak with that boy. Annabelle could only stifle a laugh as she looked to the couch where Susan was snuggled up next to him while they kissed gently, tongues only just meeting between their partially opened lips. He's indisposed. I love you, gotta go. Annabelle hung up before joining the two lovebirds on the couch, determined to maintain her fair share of kisses in this relationship. The next few days passed in a blur. Lillian showed Chris to the security team's workout facility. There were resistance machines designed for beings so he actually got to give himself a decent workout. Lillian offered to teach him how to fight and they met on the sparing mat. She kicked his inexperienced ass all around the floor. Oslo howled with laughter as she simply threw him over and over again. Once, she'd let him get close to see what he could do. She soon found herself on the floor, arms behind her back with his satisfying weight pinning her. The sensation had almost made her wriggle back into him, but she couldn't. It would have been sexual and her blood pact prevented it. For the first time in years, she was a little thankful for its presence. You're strong, but you could stand to work on the speed a little. The vampire appraised that she had many a beginner, brushing off her hands as she gained her feet. Get beyond the grabbing and punching like an amateur, and you'll be a force to reckon with. Now if H. She wondered if he'd be a more difficult opponent in his half-form but the dragon remained hidden as it recuperated from its exertion to protect Annabelle, 
Chris had slipped back into the ether one night but didn't leave his bed, not wanting to be caught out in unfamiliar, populated territory. When he'd woken up, his dragon was almost back to its annoying, opinionated self. It seemed the dragon could somehow draw energy from the ether. Chris delivered coffee to Susan every morning and slept with Annabelle every night. Their lovemaking mellowed a bit as they learned to take their time with each other. They would enjoy slowly thrusting together for what seemed like hours before they fucked like frantic bunnies towards the end. He loved that he could get her off a couple times if he was patient and had time to excite her entire body. Annabelle enjoyed how her body was adjusting to him. She was almost constantly ready for him now. A few words or a meaningful look could have her nether slick and dewy. It was hell on her underwear. He always made her feel so completed, whether he fucked her lazily from behind, watching his penetration distend and drag her labia backwards, gripping tightly to his cock dot or, if he kissed her neck as his body arched into hers with her legs locked around him, she never failed to find absolute bliss. It often triggered or was followed by a second orgasm as he spilt his magic seed deep in her with forceful, hot jets. She would lie there for minutes afterwards, enjoying the gooey, tingly, warmth inside her womb as he held her close. She didn't realize it but every time he come inside her, a little more of his magic would soak in, healing any small imperfections both inside and out and priming her with energy. She took on a healthy, beautiful glow as he imbued her. It would be weeks before she noticed. Their inexperience quickly evaporated as they spent their nights learning just how to set each other off. Meanwhile Bartholomew slowly profited from their efforts, growing in minuscule ways each time they expressed their love. Susan was becoming friskier, too, a little frustrated that she and Chris were stalled at kissing and some rather heavy petting. Though really wanting to go further and cement their new relationship, she didn't push the issue too much, just frigged herself silly in the shower. She was taking a lot of showers recently as her neglected sexuality was rekindled by the dragon's kisses. Annabelle was becoming more comfortable with their new relationship, too. She'd discovered that if she ever felt jealous watching them kiss, she could interrupt and demand some for herself. However, turnabout was fair play and Annabelle quickly learned that being interrupted wasn't fun. They gradually worked out a system that seemed to work. It mostly involved being patient and generous, but above all else, not hogging the dragon. Lillian sometimes found herself frustrated with all the sexy noises and smells around her but Rayla's order not to touch him made it a little easier. She still convinced herself that he was too young and timid for her, that she didn't want him. Besides, his spicy, pheromone-laden scent was becoming more bearable as she learned to ignore its almost constant presence. During the days, they explored the magic district together, discussed plans for the future, or their new world in general. Susan even managed to line up a wonderful job opportunity for herself at the apothecary she had previously supplied. The old wizard who owned the place had known Susan fondly for years. Now that she was back in the magical world for good, he offered her a partnership in his business. She would grow for them full-time, helping in the store with brewing when she wasn't busy with the plants. It was always her dream to take her love for magical plants and their concoctions further so she pounced on the opportunity. She'd already given her notice to the university, citing a family emergency and taking her weeks of accumulated leave, so she was excited to start as soon as Chris's situation settled down. To start with, she spent a few hours each day in the store, formalizing their agreement and learning the ropes. Rowan, the owner, was an accomplished apothecary, and she learned several new tricks in the brief hours they spent together. She was actually a little worried about her plants back at home but called Jethry to make sure he knew how to look after them properly until she could get back. The work hat was happy to hear things were going well in the big city. Chris's public Maginette profile went live on the second day, his name, species, class, and territory available to the entire being world. Annabelle had a little section too as his familiar, noting her name, registration date, and that she had an Epsilon class protective enchantment. Every profile you see is real. Lillian explained. The Maginette system is specifically not anonymous like the internet. Profiles are verified by technicians such as Tosh, and are magically resistant to tampering or interception. We don't want ways to trick people or engage in unlawful activities under false names. You might imagine it's vital to the Bean contract system. Chris and Annabelle started at tablet, scrolling and navigating through their profile with their fingers. Well, was all Annabelle could really say. It seemed just like a regular piece of technology. So, how does it work? The vampire had long accepted being these two kids' personal tome of knowledge. A good thing she liked them. The entire global system is powered magically, using untraceable energies to communicate between each device. 
It is silent to humans and their devices. She gestured to the unfinished part of the profile. You want to include photo images of yourselves? Together, Chris and Annabelle looked at each other and shook their heads. Not now, Chris said. Within hours, Chris had several contract offers and a flood of happy greeting messages. Holy shit, Annabelle exclaimed, and Chris's mouth was gaping a little bit. He'd never been popular in high school. You forgot to set your profile to state that you're not accepting contracts. Lillian told him with a barely retained chuckle. At that stage, Annabelle kind of took over managing his profile. The Maginette system was apparently foolproof. Every message or change carried a magical trace of the individual and each person's devices were unusable by anyone without privileges. Once Annabelle had these though, Chris's tablet happily fired up whenever she touched it, he was glad to let her manage it, never a big fan of social media. She sent out apologies and thanks to the various hopefuls as she gawked at the multi-figure offers for blood, protection, sex, or help creating enchantments. There was even an offer to deflower some old witch's nice as her 21st birthday present point one evening Chris and Annabelle worked up the courage to go to a local establishment known as the Cauldron. They couldn't reveal their true forms but it was a being club, under the cover of heavy involvement with sci-fi role-playing. This way, any humans who showed up weren't freaked out when they overheard a self-professed vampire talking to a witch about blood magic, or the like that IT seemed a little weak to Chris, until Lillian spoke up. There's also an enchantment that makes humans dismiss anything they hear or see that truly offends their sensibilities. However, given the club's reputation, it attracts a human element who are hard to offend. But, he replied, won't that foster an unhealthy, almost obsessive culture? Lillian just laughed. The decor was upbeat gothic, still dark, but with colorful depictions of various, mythological, creatures along the walls. Some of the staff appeared to be in, costume, and there was a blue, painted, woman dancing in a cage over by the DJ. By the bar was an all-too-lifelike stone gargle, frozen in a state of arousal as human women laughed and dared each other to touch the raunchy statue. The club had a reputation around town as a place to have a wild, uninhibited night where almost anything goes, but somewhere you wouldn't necessarily want to be a regular. Lillian had wrangled them up a small booth where they ended up sitting around not knowing what to do with themselves. Chris and Annabelle were experiencing the club atmosphere for the first time, dim lighting, an otherworldly light show, loud electronic genre music, few clothes and lots of sweaty bodies. Lillian shrugged at their timidity. I have to agree that it didn't have much appeal to me outside of snaring a hapless or, even willing humans for feeding, it's perfect for that. Tonight the vampire had worn black heels, a pleated red miniskirt, and one of her trademark, clingy turtlenecks, black this time. Chris stole glances at her surreptitiously every now and then, especially her long, toned, absolutely pale legs. They were so beautifully pale he thought he could see small bluish veins lattice up near the hem of her skirt. He'd never been close to such a beautiful woman who was almost his height, only an inch shorter than his six foot three. He had gained two inches to his human form after his transformation, yet another addition to the list of things to get used to. At least he still cleared most doorways, just, regardless, Lillian's large body excited him and especially his dragon to no end. It had the promise of being something to fight for and conquer. He knew how it felt up close, too, having been dominated by it that morning at the gym. Deliciously soft yet devastatingly powerful. Annabelle was proving quite the distraction herself. She'd worn her new dress and let her hair fall around her back but held from her face with the ribbon which matched his new shirt. The outfit was indeed slinky and sexy. He'd stuck with his jeans and almost regretted it now. Chris thought she looked perfect. Her slight nervousness and big, brown eyes again gave an innocent air which delightfully contradicted the seductive dress, the soft curves of her fantastic ass, and the display of so much smooth leg. He'd held her close as they entered the club, protective, feeling on edge with so many people around them. The club owner, a vampire named Rufus Veldier, apparently didn't care that they were underage. He delivered some champagne that Lillian ordered personally to the small booth. Lillian, darling, it's so good to see you again. Champagne? Rufus spoke in dulcet tones. Yes, thank you, Rufus. This is my charge, Christopher Barrist, and his familiar, Annabelle. The vampire's face seemed to split into a Cheshire grin as Chris rose to shake his hand. It's very nice to meet you, Christopher, and may I just say that you have some very lovely company tonight. Hello, Annabelle. You look gorgeous. I wondered if you were his familiar when I first saw you two in the court. Annabelle blushed and ducked into her seat behind Chris a little. Thank you, Rufus. I didn't realize you were at my introduction. 
You have a very interesting place here. I was skeptical when Lillian described it to me but now that I'm here, it works. Rufus laughed heartily. Yes, yes. It is a little over the top, but I revel in that. As for you though, young dragon, the town has practically been abuzz with talk. Rumors, titterings, lies. I, of course, as a first-hand witness, have spread all sorts of fanciful tales about you. About me? Why? My boy, we live for centuries and some of us become rather bored. Rufus explained. A male dragon coming in from the cold is the news of the year, if not the decade. Beings are the worst gossipers you're likely to find. Rufus here is notorious. Lillian explained even more succinctly. My dear, beautiful vampire, you wound me. Rufus exclaimed with mock hurt. He put an arm around Chris's shoulder almost conspiratorially as he continued. I apologize for her rudeness, Chris, Annabelle. I must warn you, I may be a terrible gossip but Lillian here, despite her loveliness, is a grouch of unprecedented renown. Always ruining my fun. Lillian simply let out a quiet hiss in his general direction and Annabelle couldn't contain a hushed giggle. See? She's unstoppable. Rufus continued. Having you two around will be the best thing that's ever happened to her. Now, speaking of fun, I have an interesting proposal for you, Christopher. Chris didn't like the sound of that, or the grin on the vampire's face. You may be aware that you smell divine, and I'd bet you taste even better. Therefore, I propose a potentially very lucrative arrangement. A special drink, the chance to taste a dragon. It would contain a measure of chilled vodka, a half of Sambuca, a half of Grand Marnia, and of course, a few drops of your own delectable blood. I call it the Buffy, for it will surely slay vampires by the dozen. Chris didn't know what to make of it. On one hand, the idea was hilarious, something he would probably agree to if he was tipsy. Rufus's sales pitch was indeed overly dramatic, but it seemed to suit what he'd seen of him so far. On the other hand, he was a little offended he'd once again been propositioned and was concerned what the outcome of offering the drink might be. Would you drink it, Lillian? He asked. She was somewhat taken aback. The question hadn't struck her in the way he had intended. Hmm. She shrugged, attempting to maintain nonchalant. I'd probably try it sometime, but I'm not allowed to drink on the job. Chris's eyes flicked to the glass of bubbly in her hand then looked back at Rufus. No, thank you, Mr. Veldier. Perhaps we could do it as a special one night after I'm more settled. Of course. Rufus, ever the host, accepted graciously. I'll leave you to yourselves for now, but please return at any time. You're always welcome here, Chris, and I'll be honest, you're great for business. Please excuse me. They'd ended up sipping champagne for a while before Annabelle dragged him onto the dance floor. They lasted a few songs, Chris holding her waist or ass with her arms around his neck, writhing their bodies together to whatever spastic beats the DJ wove together. It seemed to be what everyone else was doing. The crowd of bodies didn't really appeal to them. They were interested in each other so strangers bumping them was just a distraction. By the fourth song, Chris noticed there was a curious young woman dancing behind him. He'd felt her bump him a few times and when he turned, he found her only about an inch from the back of his neck, enjoying his smell. That was it. They went back to the booth and Annabelle sat in his lap as they finished the bottle. They were about to leave when Amanda, the vampire who'd lost control and attacked Chris on their first day, appeared and asked if she could sit with them for a minute. Chris had somewhat nervously agreed while Lillian never took her eyes off the younger vampire. I just wanted a chance to say how sorry I am about what I did to you. Amanda started once she was sitting. It was unacceptable. I'm young but I've worked hard to control my urges and get a position with compound security. I can't come out during the day yet, you see, so having a mostly underground job is nice. Look, I'm sorry, I was hungry and you were there smelling so good, it just happened before I could even think to know it was wrong, and thanks for not killing me by the way. Chris didn't know what to say but forged ahead to accept her apology. You're Amanda, right? She nodded, looking chagrined that she hadn't introduced herself first. Chris didn't seem to notice. Well, Amanda, I'm new at this whole thing too so thanks for apologizing and I guess no hard feelings, certainly no harm done. I'm sorry I had that kind of effect on you without any warning. Thank you. Amanda said warmly. She'd resolved to come apologize when she saw them enter the club but over the last few days she'd given up her vampiric schemes to get more of his blood. She didn't have anything to offer in return and he would probably want nothing to do with her. Besides, it would only lead her further and further down that path. Already from that one taste, she found other blood less satisfying, couldn't get him out of her mind, especially when she slept. 
It was hard sitting close to him now but she'd brutally forced her vampire deep down inside herself so she could talk. It meant a lot that he seemed happy to forgive her. You haven't. Amanda trailed off turning to Lillian. Haven't what? Chris asked curiously. No. Lillian said bluntly. Don't. Amanda warned. Don't what? Chris asked again. Amanda sighed. I'm trying to warn her not to taste your blood, Chris. Oh. Chris was confused. Susan had said vampires would want to drink his blood, because it tasted good to them and offered so much sustenance being infused with magic. It's too good, Chris. I only tasted a few drops and it's all I can think about. The young vampire confessed. It's addictive. I can barely stomach human blood anymore. I'm sorry, Chris said. Is there anything I can do? Probably not. Just don't let vampires bite you unless you plan to feed them for the rest of your life. Amanda got up to leave, feeling better and worse at the same time. She'd been feeling almost depressed ever since she'd had her unsatisfying taste. Walking away was hard but apologizing was good. Is she okay? Annabelle asked. She'd remain quiet, just watching the new vampire. She will be, I think, Lillian replied. However, she was worried. Amanda seemed to have lost some of the sparkle to her eyes, the bounce in her step. So the buffy drink is a bad idea then, Chris stated. Very bad, agreed Lillian. Chris's body was pressed back into the leather seat and a few short seconds later the jet was airborne, wheels up. Susan sat next to him and an invisible Lillian was across the aisle. Apart from the bubbly work at Hostess and the pilot, her familiar, the small jet was empty. It was wasteful to send a jet for three people but, at the same time, it kind of awesome that he was apparently that important. His thoughts went to Annabelle, who was probably back in Laramie by now. He didn't want to leave her behind but it was the perfect opportunity for her to get her affairs in order, placate her parents, and move some stuff down to Denver. Besides, Oslo had agreed to go with her and she had Bartholomew to keep her safe as well. The flight ended up being smooth, relaxing, and uneventful, the hallmark of an excellent private charter. Once they landed at City Airport, a wizard customs officer boarded the jet and stamped all their passports despite not being able to see Lillian. It was important to conform to human laws and regulations in order to keep their potential footprint as small as possible. For instance, if they were pulled over by police it was easier to simply have your papers in order rather than to resist or kidnap them until you could get their memories taken, while a nationwide manhunt started for the missing officers. Maintaining the secret was primarily about blending in unless absolutely necessary. Taking memories was no simple business and could leave its own trail of partial images. If done poorly or too long after the event, it could even damage the human dot on the tarmac with three impressive-looking black SUVs with serious guards arrayed around. The new arrivals were loaded up rather unceremoniously and the convoy moved off to deliver them to the local lord. Chris watched early morning London rolling by with interest through the tinted windows. The skyline was truly impressive, he'd always had dreams of doing a little traveling and now, before he really realized it was happening, he was in another country. He even spotted the face of Big Ben for a few seconds as they drove past Westminster Bridge. It would have been nice to stop and see the sights, Annabelle would have loved it, but they had appointments to keep. Lord Harkett's headquarters was separate from the various territorial hubs, an imposing mansion on what looked to be a contestant for the most affluent street in London. Their convoy rolled into a circular drop-off with a large fountain in the middle. It was impressive but the opulence didn't really appeal to Chris. His door was opened by a suited wizard and they were led inside, Lillian and Susan close beside him. Lord Harcott was shorter than Chris had expected, but had an air or self-assured power that left no doubt he was a class 1 vampire, well over 1,000 years old. Ah. Greetings, Christopher, Lillian, Harcott said, walking over to shake their hands. His accent was thickly British, and Chris liked the way words seemed to just roll smoothly off his tongue. And who is this lovely witch? I'm Susan Barrist, I raised Christopher. Susan responded. Indeed. Well, I must congratulate you, Susan. You've raised an impressive specimen. Thank you. Susan replied. Harcott looked Chris up and down. I admit I was a skeptical when the council order crossed my desk. A class one male dragon hidden away in plain sight all these years, awakened only a week ago. Yet here you are in the flesh. Chris felt a bit uncomfortable under the vampire's assessing eye but resisted the urge to fidget. It seemed like he was always the subject of discussion. He hoped the novelty would wear off quickly. Harcott turned and smiled at the other vampire in the room. 
and Lillian beautiful as ever I see. I couldn't convince you to kidnap the dragon and come work for me? No. Thank you, no. I'm happy in my current position, Lord Harcott. Always so serious, dear, Lillian. Harcott smiled. How about you, Christopher? Just Chris is fine. Chris corrected. Thank you, Chris, and you may call me Michael. I can't tempt you to relocate to the United Kingdom? Sorry, I've been propositioned so much in the last week I can barely keep up. Lady Narlakis has been generous. I'll stay with her for the foreseeable future, at least until I get my feet firmly underneath me. Michael Harcott chuckled, listening to young man, he sounded a little like some of the actors he saw on TV crossed with a cowboy from one of the older westerns. Yes, I imagine you've fielded a few interesting offers. But I see you're a pragmatist, it was worth a try. The dragon could indeed be a valuable ally, he could feel the magic saturating the air around him. It was always like this with dragons, especially the males. They were like deep springs of overflowing magic, so intimately linked to their aspects that every part of them was imbued and it leaked into their surroundings. This one seemed to be particularly potent though, dragons were usually class two, especially the young ones. Perhaps it was his unique aspect? Michael could feel his saliva thicken in instinctual anticipation, just the smell of the dragon was a test. He usually didn't feed from men, it was an intimate act after all, but he knew he'd make this exception in the blink of an eye. Well, Michael continued, thinking to end the meeting before he became too infatuated. This is mostly just a formality. I understand you have an appointment in Scotland with Lord Guthrie. I have a car fueled and waiting for you. I can understand there are always some security concerns around dragons these days. Would you like an escort? No, thank you, Lillian said. I feel anonymity is our best protection at the moment. Very well. Then it was a delight to meet you, Christopher, Susan. Lillian, you'll call me if there's anything you need. Harcott noted that Lillian didn't trust him enough to accept his help. It was probably prudent. He had no doubt she had her job cut out for her trying to protect the dragon. There were plenty who would pay fortunes to have a captive male. It seemed almost foolhardy that she alone had been entrusted the task. It was nice to meet you, Chris said with decent American politeness. If I ever need a change of scenery, I'll remember your offer. Delighted. Harcott's smile showed even more of his fangs this time. Now you'd better be off. It's at least a seven-hour drive to Kreef. Michael was almost anxious to have them leave now. Once they were out of the room, he flashed over to his desk and dialed in a blur. Yes, he said down the line. Get Mary over here. No. Right now. He hung up and slumped into his chair a little. His favorite familiar would arrive shortly to assuage his thirst. Sitting in what his body felt should be the driver's seat, Chris was unsettled to begin with. That and they were on the wrong side of the road. However, once he saw how narrow the streets Lillian seemed to glide the late model BMW through with ease were, he was glad he was just along for the ride. For a while, he stared out the UV-shielded window, watching one of the world's great sights flow by. However, after they got onto the highway, he and Susan began reminiscing about car trips they'd taken when he was younger. Soon enough, they broke into their favorite driving game, 20 questions. Lillian even joined in sometimes, usually poaching the answer right out from under Chris's nose with a fiendish giggle. Chris was suitably indignant, but the vampire had such a beautiful smile and seemed to genuinely be having fun. It was too disarming. The drive so far had been uneventful, but Lillian was alert and anxious. Now they were barely half an hour from their destination, speeding through the deserted Scottish countryside. The car had long ago grown quiet, as the hours passed. Something felt off, like they were being tracked somehow. It was overcast, thinking about raining, and they hadn't seen another car since turning onto the single-lane road. Lillian realized her mistake as a blue car came speeding into view behind them over a small rise she should have stayed on the main roads in the public eye. We're about to get hit. She slammed her foot on the gas, making the powerful engine roar and startling Chris from his daydream. What? Are you sure? Chris exclaimed, turning to see the car gaining quickly. What do we do? We keep driving. Lillian tried to remain calm. Looking in the mirror she could see at least three people in the car. She didn't know if she could safely target the car with her telekinetic powers. It was large and had so much momentum. There's someone trying to kill the engine, Susan said from the back, feeling the foreign magic around them. I'll try to distract him. She focused her own energy around the car, erecting a weak barrier. This really wasn't her thing and she soon realized she couldn't hold out for long. 
The wizard she was up against was far more powerful. Just then gunfire raked the back windshield, showering glass over Susan as bullets whizzed through the cabin and out through the front. Susan screamed, loosing hold of her concentration and Lillian felt the car gradually start losing power. Stay down! Chris shouted as Susan started to sit up again, scratched from the shower of glass but mostly just shaken. Flaming adrenaline blasted through his arteries as his dragon roared in absolute rage. He could already feel his wings growing, his scales rapidly snaking down his back and across his chest, his muscles bulging slightly. Looking back he saw a man readying another volley of gunfire from the backseat window. Fuck that! He shouted before his dragon took over, instinct guiding him to rip and tear his enemies. From the driver's seat, trying to keep the dying car on the road whilst watching their pursuers in the rear view, Lillian heard him shout just before he vanished into thin air. Chris, get back here! In the ether, Chris flapped his untried wings with all his strength, jumping up off the floor as he thrust down. His body phased straight through the roof, rising a few meters into the shadowy purple world before he flapped again, gaining more height. He didn't even think about his actions, just let the rage guide him. They were attacking him, putting Susan and Lillian in danger. They would die for IT.AS he rose into the ether, he slowed. The pursuing car was almost underneath him so with an inhuman shriek, he merged back into the norm. Tucking his wings in, he dove straight for its roof, impacting it a crash as it dented and the back windshield shattered in return. Glancing at the mirror, Lillian saw the trailing car swerve sharply before regaining control. Holy shit. She managed, as she caught glimpses of the devastation being unleashed by the vengeful dragon on top of the hapless car. Chris? Where's Chris? Susan panicked from the back as she noticed her son was missing. He's about to kill them. Lillian tried to drive and watch the action behind as well. There were flashes from inside the car, gunfire through the roof. Susan turned her body, clutching the headrest, to see Chris recoil, a bullet grazing off the tiny scales on his arm and traveling up through his right wing's flight membrane. The purple figure reared back, his furious howl reaching their ears. Suddenly a bright purple orb grew in his hand, spluttering and casting the roadside trees in otherworldly shadow as they sped past. Susan watched in awe as he slammed the blinding purple ball down through the roof, melting a hole. Chris pushed off the car, once again taking flight to soar a little behind the erratic chase vehicle. His injured wing pained him, the wind stretching the punctured membrane, but he paid it no mind, he was unstoppable. Inside there was a brief panic as the orb hovered for a second, pulsing ominously. The mage managed to erect a barrier before the blast hit, shredding the three other occupants with magical shrapnel. Without a living driver, the car quickly left the road, plowing through the low vegetation until it impacted a larger tree with a satisfying crunch, followed by the ticking of cooling metal. Stop. Stop. Go back. Susan urged, seeing the brilliant flash of purple light, shards of purple exploding outwards, splintering into the air and vanishing as the car swerved off the road. Lillian, in complete control of the car again quickly slowed, skidding onto the slick verge as she made herself invisible and leapt from the car into the light rain, sprinting back up the road. Susan brushed glass off herself quickly and ran after her, desperate to make sure Chris was okay. Lillian arrived to see the dragon ripping the passenger door off, yanking a barely conscious mage out as he tore through the seatbelt. His shield hadn't saved him entirely. Having been disintegrated in the blast, he'd felt the full impact of the crash. Who sent you? The dragon yelled barely an inch away from the man he held so easily by the neck. The man mumbled something unintelligible before trying again. It almost sounded like he said, No choice. What was that? The dragon bellowed, loosening his hold. I said fuck yourself. The mage gurgled. Before he knew he'd done it, the man's neck broke with a sickening crack. He let the body fall, slumping limply into mud by the wrecked car. Lillian's invisible face broke into a wry smile. It seemed the dragon had plenty of backbone when he needed it. Susan panted as she arrived, watching the body fall and Chris take a startled step back, realizing what he'd just done. Lillian rushed forward to examine the car and its dead occupants as Chris took in his surroundings. The inside was a mess, blood mist still thick in the air where the shrapnel had hit the three men's bodies. She sniffed, smelling the mage and a werewolf, but surprisingly two humans as well. Ignoring the blood she didn't want to drink from these degenerates anyway she rummaged their ripped corpses, pulling out IDs. Checking for familiar tattoos on the humans, she found none. She even stripped one naked, slicing through his clothes with her extended black claws, but found nothing other than an armed forces tattoo at his shoulder. Something was wrong. 
They had government ID booklets, as well as military-issue pistols, not to mention the submachine gun lying spent in the back. These men weren't registered familiars. They were humans, government humans. So what the hell were they doing attacking a dragon with a mage and a werewolf driver? Was someone using unregistered familiars inside the government as their own personal army? She quickly got out her phone and started videoing everything. The car, the men, the IDs, the weapons, reciting her observations as she went. She even went over to video Chris, taking in his bruise, bullet graze, and wing puncture. His blood was hard to resist out in the open but the light rain helped, and she was focused on her job. Besides, they needed to get out of here fast. Are you okay? Susan asked tentatively, reaching out but afraid to actually touch her son. If she was honest, after witnessing what he was capable of, she was terrified. He turned and saw how worried she was, shivering there in her t-shirt as a light drizzle fell. I'm fine, Mom. Chris assured her, collecting her in his arms he held her close as Lillian wrapped up her examination. Susan, still shivering, clung to his warmth as her adrenaline high died, leaving her feeling weak and tired and a little sick. He extended his wings again, wincing a little as the bullet hole was stretched. But then he wrapped them down and around, making a little shield for her. The droplets of water pattered against it lightly. Who were they? Chris asked. Lillian spoke as she worked to get various close-ups of the men's marred faces. These humans may be unregistered familiars, but are definitely government security. MI6 or whatever backroom agency they come up with every other month. The werewolf I have no idea, and will never get anything out of the mage now. Sorry, Chris said gravely. Perhaps I shouldn't have killed him. I didn't mean to really. No, we don't have time to drag him along. The humans are the important part anyway. I can't think of any reason they would be here. It's really illegal to have unregistered familiars and these guys were obviously aware of us. Lillian rolled one of them over onto his back to video him. Half of his face was missing, shaved clean off by several shards of ether. You certainly did a number on them. Even Lillian was astounded at the gruesome destruction in front of her. The car hadn't fared any better than the men, peppered with jagged tears and holes, metal hadn't been a barrier to the purple shards. I kind of went nuts, huh? Fuck, I don't even understand half of the shit I did. Chris was worried that he seemed to have a complete lack of empathy towards the men. He just killed four people and at the moment it seemed to matter less than the fact that Susan was cold and shivering. Perhaps he was a sociopath, or maybe he was just in shock. You did well, Chris. Lillian stopped to reassure him. You defended yourself and us, possibly even saved our lives. I killed four men, Lillian. Chris's voice raised more than he intended. And I'm finding it hard to care. That's not normal. Why should you care? Lillian snapped back, frustrated with the dragon's instincts constantly at odds with the kid's perception of his world. We don't have time for a little meltdown. This is the ugly side of our world, the kill-or-be-killed side. You can come to terms with that when we aren't still in danger out in the open. The expression on his face made her regret the harsh outburst. It really was a pity he couldn't remain as he'd started, normal and nice and innocent. She softened her voice, but maintained her point firmly. You were attacked. It's their fault they underestimated you, not yours. Would it make you feel better if they'd succeeded? If Susan or I was killed? No. He mumbled. That's what I thought. Now, get your mother back in the car, we need to go. Lillian was almost done just doing a final check to make sure there was no obvious evidence of magic on the bodies. Chris steered Susan back down the road, holding her close with his uninjured left arm. Thankfully no other cars passed by, or they would have seen a large, purple dragon man tenderly guiding an attractive woman into the back of a shot-up car. He laid himself on the back seat, hopefully out of sight, and had Susan lie on top of him, safe from the broken glass underneath him before shutting the door. It was cramped and awkward for his large body but they didn't have far to go. Don't you ever do that again, Susan said from her perch on his chest looking down into his reptilian eyes and thumping him weakly with her fist. Her clothes were wet and cold but his body was warm against hers and he held her tightly despite her scolding. You had no idea who was in that car or what they were capable of. Lillian's here for a reason, that's her job. They were about to shoot at us again, Mom. I couldn't risk that. Chris ran his hands up and down her back soothingly. I'll always defend us. It's my nature to protect. That's stupid. Susan sniffed. You could have died. S-H-H-H-H, we're fine. He consoled, leaning up to kiss her lightly. She eventually calmed snuggling into his cream-colored neck as she shook quietly, 
outraged at the world for being so violent. Lillian was soon back in the car and they sped off. To anyone who looked twice, the bullet-ridden car had no occupants whatsoever. She dialed as she drove, only waiting a few seconds before the drow answered her emergency number. We've been attacked on our way to the dragons. Lillian began without preamble. A wizard and a werewolf as well as what I'm assuming were two unregistered familiars. You neutralized them? Rayla said calmly, although her heart raced slightly. She assumed correctly that she wouldn't be receiving the phone call if the situation wasn't resolved. He did. Lillian looked back towards the dragon, comforting his mother in the back seat. It was all over in just a few seconds. How? The dragon surfaced and he phased and flew onto the car chasing us, then let off some sort of explosion inside it. It was magnificent. Rayla mulled this information over for a few seconds. So he was an instinctual fighter, she'd suspected as much. Again, she considered her luck to have him land so fortuitously in her lap. If you're in the clear for now, try to make it to the dragons. They'll provide safe haven overnight but I want you back here tomorrow. Try to be unpredictable in your movements. Unregistered familiars, the Synod is going to have a field day. This thinks of bounty hunters, I never should have let him leave my territory. Okay, I'll send you the evidence I collected soon. Get someone to start looking into the humans. Keep him safe, Lillian. Rayla's voice had a sharp edge that even managed to be transmitted across thousands of miles. Lillian hung up, knowing nothing more needed to be said for the moment. She would protect the dragon, with her life if necessary, she didn't need to be told that. She began uploading the video and photos to Rayla. Her inhuman speed and dexterity came in handy now as she multitasked, speeding down the wet, narrow roads. Lord Harcott seemed genuinely surprised by the attack when she called him. Lillian was inclined to think he wasn't behind it however, you could never quite tell over the phone. Harcott would arrange for a cleanup. It would be hours until the crew arrived so they would have to work to mislead whatever investigation the human authorities started. She kept the evidence she'd collected to herself, their IDs, a small sample of each of their blood, the memory of their scent, and the video recording. She would get to the bottom of this herself if needs be. Examining the scene in her mind again, it was impossible to place the two humans. There was absolutely no way they could be there. They must have known the secret, yet they weren't familiars, not registered at least. It didn't make sense, the play was especially foul. The vampire also realized she might have been in trouble if the dragon hadn't stepped in. The mage was quite powerful, had been carrying vials of death's bane potion, and the werewolf had a wooden stake strapped to his thigh. They'd been prepared to fight a vampire. In combination with automatic gunfire from the humans, it would have been an interesting fight. Speaking of fights, there was no doubt in her mind now that the dragon could. Perhaps he lacked a little finesse but he certainly made up for it with style and brute force, not to mention that fucking ether grenade he'd set off. She'd never heard of anything like that before. They drove as fast as safely possible. It was more important now to distance themselves and reach the safety of Lord Guthrie's property than to not be noticed. Susan was very cold in the back as freezing air streamed through the broken windows. Chris tried to keep her warm, holding her between the back of the seat and his body but she shivered miserably in her damp clothes. Soon enough they pulled up to the wrought iron gates and Lillian got out to use the intercom. Lord Guthrie, this is Lillian Kozlov. We've been attacked on our way here. Please let us in immediately. She looked around nervously but didn't have to wait long for a reply. Good heavens. Of course. The gates clicked and began rolling open. Drive all the way to the end of the road, you'll be safe here. Another five-minute drive through low woodland had them outside a large, surprisingly modern house. A middle-aged man and woman came rushing out, and another woman waited by the door. Extracting himself from the car, Chris sensed the two dragons for what they were kin. The female took her mate's hand and beckoned Chris forward reassuringly. Standing up to his full height, he strode forward with Susan still under his arm as the light rain continued. Their meeting was somewhat tense, the young dragon and the older couple examining each other for a few moments. Lord Guthrie could tell the youngling was on edge. From the state of the car and the healing bullet hole in his wing, their attack had been quite traumatic. His half-form was magnificent, however, the epitome of a dragon male and his coloring was indeed that of the ether. Hello, Christopher, I'm John Guthrie. He spoke with a thick Scottish brogue and carried himself as a lord might, even as he had to tilt his chin up to meet Chris's eyes. He was short, wiry, and tough-looking but his peppered brown hair gave him an air of sophisticated middle age even though Chris knew he was ancient. His blue gaze felt piercing and yet somehow calming, 
it felt like he was meeting long-lost family. This is my mate, Elizabeth. It's nice to finally meet you, Christopher. Elizabeth added. I've been excited all week. The female was beautiful, blonde and full-bodied, her clean scent tantalizing him. Her accent wasn't the same as John's, rather a more mingled combination of several European regions with French slightly dominating. Chris felt his dragon sizing up the smaller male. There was an urge to bluster and fight but there was also a sense of deep respect for his age and knowledge. The mated pair shared a look, a feel of being completely in tune with each other. Hello? Chris said a little lamely. It's nice to meet some other dragons. Um, could we please go inside? My mother is very cold. Yes, yes, of course. I'm sorry. Elizabeth turned and called to the woman by the door. Catherine, get some blankets, please. Thank you. I'm Susan. She introduced herself, teeth chattering. The vampire with the bags is Lillian, Chris's bodyguard. Welcome. Lord Guthrie said warmly. Rest easy now, you're safe here. The Guthrie's house was warm. They were guided into a living area and with a modern fireplace. The floors were a light-colored hardwood with rugs strategically placed under the couches and furniture. Dim natural light flooded through skylights and the numerous long windows against the two exterior walls, which appeared to be plaster over stonework. The light, open modern theme seemed out of place to Chris. He would have expected dragons to live in an underground lair. Their host guided them to couches near the fireplace, and Susan decided to stand in front of it rather than sit. Chris, clothes slightly tattered around his half-form with his wings poking out through the back of his shirt, slumped into the offered couch, resting his head in his hands, his elbows on his knees. His body was still calming down after the attack, leaving him a slightly drained and tired, a little like Susan. John and Elizabeth watched the young dragon with interest as they questioned Lillian about the attack. The invisible vampire explained how they had been shot at while their car's engine lost power until Chris phased onto the back of the car and destroyed it. May I see the video, Lillian? John asked, and by the way he approached her, the request was more a formality. Chris tensed at his tone and John noticed, perhaps smelling something in the air he turned to reassure the boy. I am a member of the Synod, Christopher, and a fellow dragon. It is an obligation to get to the bottom of this, as well as a personal concern. Lillian relinquished her phone, showing him the video and John was impressed with her assessment. The two humans were the key to finding out what was going on. I promise you my backing if you need it, Lillian, and I will start my own investigation forthwith. We can't have unregistered humans attempting kidnapping. It's a huge breach of the secret. Thank you, Lord Guthrie. Lillian realized how helpful Synod backing might be. Unfortunately, after the attack, both Lady Narlakis and I think it's important to return to Denver as soon as possible. We'll be leaving tomorrow morning, perhaps we can return when things settle down a bit. Or you could visit Chris if your business takes you to the States. Catherine, a being Chris couldn't place, came back with some thick wool blankets for Susan who stripped unceremoniously down to her underwear and wrapped up tight. For a moment she had considered if it was appropriate but decided she didn't care. She shuffled over to the couch and snuggled up next to Chris. He made her feel good, comforted her, which was exactly what she needed right now. He wrapped an arm around her and as she warmed, she began to doze off, attempting a few times to keep up with the conversation but finding it futile. The vibrations of his deep voice sent her right to sleep. Your mother must have been quite terrified. Elizabeth commented. It's good you comfort her like that. Yes. John agreed. Witches and wizards may have quite admirable control over magic, but they do lack the constitution of the more physical races. As if knowing she was the subject, Susan wriggled closer to him in her sleep, burying her face under his arm and attempting to put a leg on top of his. Chris looked around the room nervously. The act was a little too intimate for the company. You don't need to feel awkward, Christopher. Elizabeth added with a cheeky smile. Your relationship with her has changed. We understand. You know? How? The way she smells of you and the way she went straight to you. Elizabeth explained soothingly. There's no shame in that. It's natural. Yes, indeed. John reminisced. A young dragon like you needs a good brood. I remember before Elizabeth and I settled down I had six beautiful women. Loved them all dearly, too. It just seems wrong. Chris almost muttered. I've been raised as a human my entire life except some memories I can barely recall of my mother and father. Yes, but that's why you're here, said the older dragon. I'm very sorry about David and Marie. I begged your father to go through official channels to get justice for your mother's death, 
but he asked me what kind of man would sit by as his mate's murderer walked free. He was grief-stricken, I can understand that. Chris was saddened to hear of his parents' deaths but perhaps, in the future, Lord Guthrie could help him get to know them a little better than what he remembered in his young, foggy memories. Lord Guthrie continued. We thought you were dead all these years too. Now we want to help you. We had planned for you to be here at least a week, to teach you about dragons, about yourself. We have this evening at least. Even a little now would be great. Chris sighed. These things keep happening to me that I have little control over or seem so foreign. It's like my dragon is a separate entity inside my mind with his own ideas and thoughts. Yes, that's an unfortunate effect of being awakened suddenly. Elizabeth said, tucking a lock of blonde hair behind her ear. It usually it happens over several years in our children when they're about six or seven. The two minds have time to blend and become seamless. It will take a while for you. She shook her head, looking concerned. You poor boy. You must have gone through so much this last week. You'll need to get used to the effects of our physical changes, too. John said. You're stronger, faster, much more durable, and you'll heal faster than you're used to. Not to mention your senses are well above human level. Yeah, I figured all that out. The pheromones were a bit of a shock, though. Chris chuckled. I imagine so. Elizabeth returned a smile. Yours are particularly pleasant, Chris, very spicy and masculine. Thanks. Chris looked nervously towards John as his wife pecked his ear and whispered something even he couldn't hear before she got up and approached him. John winked at him, making Chris even more nervous, as Elizabeth ended up kneeling on the couch at his side not occupied by Susan, her knees touching him. Relax, it's okay, Chris. Elizabeth soothed. I'm just getting to know you a little better. I think you'd be perfect for a frustrated young woman I know, maybe even her mother too. W.H. Who's that? Chris stuttered dot he was entranced as he experienced his first physical contact with his own species. She leaned in to sniff delicately at his neck. He automatically cocked his head to allow her better access, and she gently kissed his creamy throat. Females have our own pheromones too, you know. They indicate we're receptive. Would you like to smell them? Elizabeth cooed. She could easily get a little caught up in her examination. She was trying to gauge his strength, his vitality, his temperament from the way he smelled and tasted. She wasn't disappointed. Slowly, she released her pheromones as she kissed up his neck, determined to also have his lips. Chris leaned back and let it happen. She felt great kissing up his throat, soft and yet confident in her actions. He brought a hand up to stroke her side through her blouse, just below her full breast. He smelled her simple, clean scent become warmer, earthy, heavier. Instantly his dragon knew what it meant and purred happily, the female wanted to mate with them. Then he realized he was actually purring somehow, a low kind of growl coming from his chest. It stopped as soon as he thought about it. That's the smell of a ready female. Remember it when you meet others. It's an invitation, but it might be the only warning you get. Elizabeth took his face in her hands to look deeply in his eyes. She enjoyed his gentle touching for a few moments but noticed he seemed concerned, confused, maybe. Your coloring is very attractive and you're strong but also gentle. Yes, I think you'll be perfect. What's your coloring? Chris murmured, captivated by her green eyes. And what am I perfect for? I'm a blue, a water dragon. John's a brown, earth. I go nearby to lock turret to recharge. John melted a hole deep into the earth for himself to be close to his aspect. You're an anomaly though, unique. And we don't actually know what to do with you other than let nature run its course. Hmm. Does your dragon take you to the ether? Yes, I go there when I sleep sometimes. Chris sighed. The earlier mention of John had him look briefly towards the other male, who was watching intently but seemed perfectly confident that his wife was teasing another male. Elizabeth brought his attention back by brushing his cheek. Why won't you tell me who you meant? He asked. Because I haven't finished yet. Elizabeth leaned down to place her full lips softly on top of his. She moved them experimentally for a few seconds before he responded naturally. Soon their tongues met tentatively, just a flick between their lips but their mouths opened to accept each other, and they slid together slowly. They each savored the essence of the other. To him, she was wisdom and beauty, tasting slightly sweet and pure like a spring. To her, he was youthful, exotic power, unsure of himself but capable of so much. He tasted spicy and also slightly smoky. She could tell he would make an excellent mate if she wasn't already spoken for. Breaking the kiss somewhat hesitantly Elizabeth was almost certain now. You'll make the perfect mate for Claire Godran. Who's she? 
Chris asked, catching his breath slightly after their long, drugging kiss. She's the next youngest after you, a female red. She's met all six of the other males but doesn't want them. I'm sure she'll like you though. You're strong enough to handle her temperament but you'll be tender. She needs that too, because she's inexperienced. You're setting me up? Don't I get any say? What's there to say? Elizabeth asked, patting his chest. She's beautiful and fiery, a challenge for you. She's given up hope of having a mate in her lifetime, which is such a sad fate for one so young. She and her mother can teach you about being a dragon. Chris didn't know what to say as Elizabeth extracted herself from him. Thank you, Chris, that was lovely. Blinking, the younger male looked at the senior, wondering why he had remained silent during all that. Don't worry, Christopher. John started as his wife came to sit by him again and took his hand, smelling of another male. We don't force matings but Elizabeth usually has a good sense of these things. It's important we find you mates as soon as possible. You're the seventh male dragon we know of. There are twenty-two females but less of them are breeding. Conception is so hard for us. Why's that? We're at the top of the food chain, Chris, and almost immortal so the balance of nature ensures we bear few children. There have always been more female dragons, too, some artifact of our reptilian essence and our polygamy. The problem is, it sometimes takes decades or centuries for females to become pregnant, even with regular coupling and itch injection. Itch injection? Chris queried. The older male looked bemused. Itch is what we call the male's second venom. All dragons have a deadly poison we can inject through our fangs but males also have itch. It induces fertility, engorging the female's womb with magic for our seed to take hold. It, ahem, also makes them more tractable and ensures they stay around long enough to become pregnant. It's somewhat addictive. You mean it turns me into your mewling, little sex doll, husband? Elizabeth tittered teasingly. Well, if that's how you want to word it. John blushed at her intensity, then returned the playful, almost randy look, as if he was accepting a challenge. It also makes sure only one male can impregnate the female while they're working at it. Elizabeth puffed up a little. Yes, I'd word it like that, you snarly, old brute. It makes me so hot and needy. I love it. John actually growled in response, despite trying to act the polite lord of the manor. It looked like they might attack each other and rip their clothes off for a second. Wait, uh. Chris almost was almost desperate to interrupt what felt like foreplay between the two. How addictive is the itch? Is it permanent? Elizabeth turned to Chris and shook her head, her face still a little flushed. It's not permanent. If I were to be separated from John and far away from him for a month or so, then the itch would wear off and I would in theory be receptive to another male. She looked at her mate with a very warm smile. I do not see that happening, however. The young dragon pondered that over as the older dragons cooled off. He needed more answers, however, and cleared his throat to continue. My dragon told me some of that stuff when my girlfriend asked if we needed to use protection. He seemed to think that as long as I don't bite her, she'll never get pregnant by me. Yes, male dragons can't impregnate females unless they bite them with itch a couple times first. Elizabeth laughed, seeming especially giddy with the topic. Doesn't stop them trying though. I took my girlfriend as my familiar, ended up casting a living spell on her actually, don't ask me how. Can we even have children at all? What will they be? Asked Chris. A living spell? John queried, distracted from his actual questions. I remember the shockwave the other day but none of the reports mentioned it was a living spell. This is very interesting, Chris, could you tell me about it? Chris tucked aside his questions about children for the moment, explaining what happened and how Bartholomew appeared to be there to protect Annabelle, but also gave her some magical influence on her surroundings. Lord Guthrie grunted in thought, nodding to himself for a few moments. This is very impressive, I can feel that you've got a lot of raw power but living spells are rare. And to cast one without even trying to? You have potential to achieve greatness among us. I don't want greatness, why does everyone seem to think that? Chris muttered. Well, you're a class one being and a dragon. Greatness is expected. The young dragon frowned and though before reminding him. What about children with Annabelle? H.M.? Oh yes, you do need to know what you're doing, don't you? He chuckled and nodded. You can indeed have children with your human familiar. All beings except vampires and other undead can bear children. Sorry, dear. John looked apologetically at Lillian. Pfft, no apology needed. Lillian brushed it off with apparent honesty. The idea didn't appeal to me much when I was human. Now it's an impossibility. Indeed. Anyway, 
If two different species made a male dragon and a leakin female, for example the children will be either one or the other. Werewolf pups or dragon whelps. Our world doesn't work in hybrids and half-breeds. What determines which species the children will be is again up to nature's balance and therefore, in this situation, werewolves would almost always be born. The pups would no doubt be healthy and powerful from such a strong father but they would be completely wolf. Their offspring too. So Annabelle and I can have children but they'll be human, not dragon? Chris clarified. Exactly. Elizabeth chimed in. They would probably make competent wizards or witches but the chances of a dragon child would be astronomical. Okay, but why would they be magical humans? Shouldn't they be normal humans? He was a little confused with the somewhat illogical being breeding system. Dragons overflow with magic, direct conduits for their aspects. The female dragon picked up where her mate left off. Your children with a human would receive some magic and be able to control it, making them a witch or wizard. This is the same reason we're endangered. Other beings want to use this magic themselves. It's why you're the best a woman can expect to ever have outside of another species mating bond. It's why your vampire friend can barely stop herself from sinking her fangs into your neck. Elizabeth didn't stop as Chris's head snapped to look at Lillian. Indeed, successfully impregnating a female dragon is all about building up enough magic inside her to overcome the barriers nature has in place to limit such individually powerful beings breeding rampantly. Now that we're so few, it will be our downfall. Lillian? Chris asked, reminded of how difficult it must be for her, especially with his dry blood around his healing wounds. I'm fine, Chris. She said firmly, maintaining her professionalism in the wake of Elizabeth outing her like that. They talked a while more as the afternoon light faded into evening. Chris had a bit more explained to him about dragon aspects and how every so often, dragons should go back to their element, recharging their magical potential. John said that because the ether usually drained beings who entered, being recharged by it would make him unique among ether users. He also encouraged Chris to pursue his education in both ether and traditional magic. It was often difficult for dragons to master specific incantations or spells like humans easily could. They were more instinctual, relying on their aspects. However, if he could also perform magic outside of his aspect it would greatly increase his versatility and surprise any enemies who prepared specifically to fight an ether user. When Chris asked about his true dragon form, Elizabeth explained how it was a process of asking the dragon forward, ceding more control to that part of himself. However, I discourage you from trying it too soon. She said. It would be best if you became more comfortable with your dragon first. When a slight lull occurred in the conversation, Elizabeth looked at the clock, making a quick calculation before pulling out her Maginette phone and dialing. Chris watched with interest, thinking he should call Annabelle also, but deciding to wait until bedtime. John and Lillian seemed to be discussing some synod politics about turning restrictions when someone answered Elizabeth's call. Chris listened intently to one side of the conversation. Hello, Petra. Yes. Yes, it has been too long. I know. Look, I doubt it's common knowledge yet, but we've discovered a new male. Yes, he's listening to me right now. Elizabeth smiled over at Chris. No, he's young. He's unique, Petra, his aspects the ether. He's delightful, a bit young but huge potential. He's gentle, too, Chris squirmed under the older dragon's praise, feeling a growing sense of pride. He tried distracting himself by repositioning some of Susan's lovely dark hair while she slept, but made sure to keep his ears trained on the conversation. Yes, that's why I'm calling. I'm almost certain he's perfect for Claire and he could use both of you to help him come to terms with being a dragon. He only awakened a week ago. Yes, he's very good-looking, smelling, too, if you must know. He's a big cutie. Elizabeth grinned at Chris again as he blushed even harder. No, I think it's best if they meet face to face. Yes, Denver, you won't even have to move continent. Great. I'll send you his profile, you should call him in a few days once he gets back. Yes. Bye-bye, dear, and good luck. She hung up and came to sit by him again, stroking the back of his folded wing and sending shivers over him. That was Claire's mother. Oh? Chris managed. He didn't know if her being this intimate with him was pleasant or awkward. They'll call in a few days to arrange a meeting. I'm sure you'll make them very happy. She whispered close to his ear. Them? Both of them? Chris was worried. He already had too many women to deal with. Well, of course. If they like you, and they will. You're one of the biggest, most attractive males I've seen in generations and you have a species to save. 
As she spoke Elizabeth began teasing his wing more forcefully, making it twitch. She also leaned in again to sniff him, pressing her lips against his shoulder and her soft breasts against his arm. I'm sure you're up to it. Chris followed her eyes down to his jeans where the telltale sign of his erection was bulging a little painfully down his leg. He noticed her scent in the air again, and it only made his heart on twitch even more. Stop. Chris pleaded. Your husband's sitting right there. Give the poor boy a break, Beth. John chuckled, knowing just how much his mate loved to play. Elizabeth stopped her teasing, holding her hands still but mashing her breasts in a little closer. Chris was actually showing surprising restraint. She'd half expected her smell to have him pawing at her. Little hatchling. She cooed with her breath in his ear. I have chosen John, but if I were young and unmated, I'd have raped you by now. Fuck. Chris murmured, as she strutted back over to sit by her husband, sharing a brief kiss with her mate. That was when it really hit him. She wasn't just a woman. She was a dragon just like him. She had the same wild beast inside her, the same instincts, to fly, to hunt, to mate. The magnificent female had just been playing with him, and he was far out of his depth. He got a sudden urge to challenge the older male for her but his dragon's twisted reason prevailed. It wouldn't be respectful to his elders nor logical to the survival of his species. Susan woke up not long after and they ate a hearty roast meal prepared by Catherine, who turned out to be a wood sprite from the nearby forest, and John's lover. Chris wondered how they made that dynamic work. So it's true for all dragons? He asked, glancing at Susan and remembering what she told him about the other women who had lived with his father when they was young. How do you make something like that work? Elizabeth looked to be somewhat glowing as she straightened her back to answer. John is the one I chose, and he keeps me happy and satisfied. As long as that remains, I don't care who else he does. She winked over at Catherine before continuing. Besides, I love her, too. Lord Guthrie chuckled and finished chewing a large bite of meat before speaking to Chris, gesticulating with his knife while his fork was already on the way to skewer a succulent potato. We have a theory on this. It seems that something about dragon males makes their women content to share, though no one seems to be sure if it's just the scent or something about the sex. He shrugged. I personally support the theory. When I was young Dash, 1200 years ago. Elizabeth teased her mate, and Chris's eyes bulged a little at hearing that. Ahem. Yes. Anyway, when I was young, I saw two elf sisters who detested each other both fall in love with the same dragon, and they lived under his roof, more or less happily, for centuries. This confirmed Lillian's own suspicions from the last few days. There was something about the way Annabelle and Susan quickly fell into sharing the dragon that seemed far too easy. Sure, they might have known each other for years, but she'd suspected some sort of influence or magic. But if Chris had no control over it, he could hardly be blamed for doing anything seedy or forbidden, like mind control. Perhaps it was all part of being dragonstruck, like Annabelle and Susan clearly were. She mused over this for a while before examining their attack for the umpteenth time. They should be in the clear, but the humans were still bothering her, annoyingly so. She had to do something about it. She'd have to have a friend look them up when she got back to Denver. Lillian was feeling hungry as well, especially watching the others eat. The dragons didn't have any blood on hand and she'd wish Elizabeth hadn't told Chris how hard it was for her to resist. He'd given her such a sorrowful look, like he actually cared she was suffering. Now she was surrounded by three delicious-smelling dragons, yet strangely Chris still stood out as her preferred choice. Perhaps his scent had become ingrained in her mind. He was certainly young and fresh, just the way she liked it. When dinner was over they talked for a few more minutes before starting for bed, keen to have an early night after their travel and traumatic day. They would be back on the road by mid-morning, their expected time here cut short by the unknown threat that had tracked them on the road. Catherine showed Chris to his room, a simple guest bedroom with a nice, long, double bed. He was still in his dragon form and didn't much feel like changing back, so the size suited him. Catherine carried on down the hall to show Susan her room, but Chris turned to find his mother hovering nervously by his door. Can I stay with you tonight? I'll sleep on the floor. Susan started. Sure, he said. Bring your stuff in and shut the door. Instead she just rushed into his arms, squeezing his hard body tight. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for everything, especially this afternoon. I love you. I love you too, Mom. He hugged back. She seemed to be the only one deeply affected by the afternoon's events. The only normal one. Susan then collected her small suitcase and shut the door as he'd suggested. 
He was rummaging around in his own case as she went to the bathroom, brushing her teeth and changing into an old t-shirt and a new pair of silky, breathable panties for bed. When she came out, he was just in a pair of sweatpants, his broad, creamy chest and strong purple arms displayed to her. She started making a nest of blankets on the floor to sleep in but he interrupted her. Jump in bed, you don't have to sleep on the floor. Susan's blood thumped in her ears as she pulled back the sheet and slid into the bed. Will he let me sleep with him? She wondered as he went to the bathroom. Maybe not. He's probably just being a gentleman as usual, sleeping on the floor so I can have the bed. When he emerged he went over to his side and slid in, too, her heart raced. Was this really going to happen? They lay there on their sides watching each other for a few moments, his wings resting behind him. Susan didn't dare move, caught in his intense gaze, scared that any movement on her part would scare the mystical creature away from her. Chris felt an overwhelming urge to hold her close, reassure himself she was okay. He acted on that protective, primal feeling, his arms snaking under the covers with inhuman quickness around her waist, making her gasp. He dragged her unceremoniously across the bed to him, the friction of the sheets hot against her skin. Before she knew it, he was nuzzling her hair, stroking down her exposed side dangerously close to her breasts and bare ass as he fitted her against his body. Susan sighed, relaxing herself completely, letting everything fall away except his comforting, arousing touches. She tilted her head up and found his lips already descending on hers. They kissed passionately but slowly for what seemed like hours. It was her first time being physical with him in this form. She couldn't deny that it somehow had added appeal. Maybe she was just a sucker for his more defined muscles, which she proceeded to explore with her hands. Maybe it was the danger of his teeth and claws or the softness of his tiny scales. His essence certainly smelled and tasted stronger like this. Chris loved kissing Susan, he always did. She made such appreciative little noises and he adored her cute, slightly larger upper lip, teased it mercilessly until it was even more swollen. It gave her a sexy, breathless look when it parted to reveal a little of her front teeth. He found himself quickly hardening as they kissed, stroking up and down her body with one hand while their tongues slid languidly against each other. She seemed to be scared of his teeth but he opened them and coaxed her to explore. She actually nicked herself with a little squeak but he didn't release her and the tiny wound was healed by his saliva in seconds. Reminded of her previous run-in with the windshield glass, he released her lips and sought out all the tiny scratches on her arms and face, licking them briefly until all traces were gone. She still smelt of angst and fear. His dragon hated it, wanted to make that smell fade away entirely. He continued stroking her side, occasionally running the hand between them to her soft, slightly padded tummy. Susan wasn't thin like Annabelle. She was softer, her belly a little rounded, more giving and her breasts and hips much fuller. Chris was tempted to cup those full, enticing orbs through her shirt but that might be too much, he only wanted to sleep with her tonight, not actually sleep with her. Susan was breathing heavily as he finally broke away, turning to retrieve his phone before rolling back to her. Seeping up form between the covers came the musky scent of her readiness. It was heady and powerfully womanly, thick in his nostrils and tantalizing on his partially reptilian tongue. My God, she's beautiful, what does she see in me? He asked himself. He captured the image of her upturned, expectant face with her long black hair arrayed behind her. She had such a pleading look in her blue eyes like she really wanted it but had resigned herself not to ask. It almost undid him so he dialed the phone, placing it against his ear with one hand so he could still look at her and hold his other at the tapering of her waist. Susan saw him struggle, like he almost gave in and would have taken her, before he pulled back. It was agony for her. She hadn't even dared to hope he would let them sleep together so soon, let alone that he would let them have sex. Now she was so hot it was ridiculous. She'd seen him sniff and flick his tongue slightly, and she knew that he knew she was soaking wet. Her long-neglected womanhood craved his touch and seemed to be making up for lost time. She could feel it, hot and moist, already matting her thick, curly hair with moisture and soaking the pair of underwear she'd worn to bed. She felt achy, needy, even gave an experimental clench of her internal muscles and pressed her legs together, almost moaning at the little flash of stimulation it provided. His wood-smoky scent was thick in her lungs too, making her bold. She realized as he waited for the phone to be answered that she had to at least ask. Hello, babe. God, I've missed you. Annabelle answered excitedly. She'd been waiting for his call all day but attempted to convince herself she wasn't. I miss you too, Dee. I wish you were here. You'd have loved to see London, but we barely even stopped. Maybe next time. 
Chris was still watching Susan beside him. Yeah, next time. Anyway, how was your trip? She asked. She couldn't be sure, but his voice sounded a little deeper and slightly hissy. Perhaps he was in his dragon form again. Well, honestly, it was going great until some asshats attacked us. Chris started, reluctantly admitting the afternoon's misadventure. What? Are you okay? She was suddenly breathing heavily as pulses of adrenaline entered her blood. An ugly churning started in her stomach. Yes, I'm fine. Chris chuckled. I'm talking to you, aren't I? Shut up, you ass. What happened? Is Susan okay? What about Lillian? She was miffed that he would laugh at her concern. Lillian's fine. Susan. He paused, looking meaningfully at her. She was listening but could only pick up snippets of Annabelle's voice. She gave him a nod, signaling that she was okay, too, at least she would be. He squeezed her waist gently in reply. Susan's going to be okay. She's right next to me, actually. We, uh, we're in bed together. That's fine, Chris. Annabelle almost instantly understood Susan's desire to be close to him. She knew she would always seek him out for safety and comfort. What happened? Well, we were just driving along this road and suddenly Lillian stepped on the gas, shouting about a car behind us. Mom said something about there being someone trying to kill the engine with magic and then they shot at us. Oh my god! Annabelle breathed. Yeah, it was crazy. Well anyway, I kind of flipped out then. My dragon was so angry I barely knew what I was doing. Before I could even think I was in the ether, then flying down on top of the car. They tried to shoot me through the roof. They hit my wing. It's fine now, by the way. Anyway, I had this idea that it would be great if I had a grenade, you know, like in a game? Uh-huh. Annabelle listened, wrapped with fear and suspense. Next thing I know, I'm slamming this purple ball right through the roof and taking off again. It melted a hole right through the metal. Then there was an explosion and all this purple shrapnel came flying out of the car before it crashed into a tree. Chris paused there, realizing he was about to admit to killing four men. Shit, what happened next? Annabelle asked. They were dead, Annabelle. Chris said slowly, tempted for a moment to leave it there. But he couldn't lie to her like that, not about something like this. Well, one of them was barely alive. I asked him why he did it, who sent him, but he just said to fuck myself. It made me so mad, D. I don't even know why but I snapped his neck just like that. The worst part is I can't bring myself to care. I care that I don't care about it but I just can't bring myself to feel for them after what they tried to do. Annabelle didn't respond at first. So, you don't know who they were? He swallowed nervously before continuing. Lillian says that two of them were humans who look like they work for the government. It's strange though, apparently there's no reason they should have been involved, and they weren't familiars. She pretty much told me to man the fuck up and get over it. Then we drove off to meet Lord Guthrie. There was silence on the other end of the line as Susan rubbed his chest comfortingly. You're scared of me now. Chris could feel it. Well, yeah, Chris, I'm a bit scared. You were attacked and killed four people with a fucking magical grenade. Annabelle replied quietly. Chris sighed. I'm sorry, Annabelle. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm scared, too. Don't hate me. Her breath came out in a surprised rush. Of course I don't hate you, you idiot. I love you. It's just a shock. I'm glad you can defend yourself and us it's just. I wish you didn't have to, all right? But if someone tries to kill you, you kill them right back. It's a bit disconcerting that you say you don't care about killing them, but I think I can understand that. They tried to kill you after all, right? I mean, I know it isn't how society is supposed to work, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess. Chris mumbled. Hey, I'll always love you, no matter what happens. Remember that. Thanks, D. It means a lot. I'll always love you, too. Okay, well, how was it to meet other dragons? Were they nice? Annabelle asked, trying to cheer him up. Yeah, it's good. Elizabeth, Lord Guthrie's wife, got a bit touchy with me, but apparently it's all about getting to know what my dragon's like. She said I'd make a perfect mate for someone called Claire Godran and insinuated that her mother Petra would want some, too. Then she called Petra and gave her my details. She's going to call once I get back, apparently. We talked about all sorts of dragon stuff. Much of it makes a lot more sense now. Wow, stud. They work fast, huh? They must really want some more dragon babies. Annabelle teased that they discussed his likely mating to other dragons before he'd left. Annabelle understood it was unavoidable but stuck to her philosophy about bridges. Ultimately, she knew she held a special place in his heart, 
that he would come back to her bed at the end of the night even if he had graced other women's beds with his presence. His confessions and honesty about killing those men and knowing of two possible mates was proof of that to her. She was becoming more comfortable with him as a dragon, understanding his nature and that he would always have his fierce love for her. Yeah, there's this whole weird balance issue around how beings reproduce. I'll tell you about it later. How are your parents, by the way? Well, my dad's still being an ass. He actually asked if I'd let you fuck me. Can you believe that? Those were his exact words. So you let him fuck you, didn't you? Annabelle imitated in a mocking deep voice. What an ass. Anyway, I just told him yes, that it was awesome and stomped off into my room. Mom was great, though. She could tell we love each other just by looking at me. She's happy for me, but I could tell she wanted us to get married. I? I, uh, might have told her we were engaged. That's all right, right? You'll marry me? Uh. Chris felt like he'd been hit in the stomach with a bag of bricks, but he quickly recovered. I never thought a woman would ask me over the phone. I think it's a little too soon, don't you? I mean, we're so young. What will people say? Annabelle sighed into the phone, knowing he was just being a dick. He chuckled. Of course I'll marry you, Annabelle. We're already bound together for life, if you hadn't noticed. Susan let out a happy squeak, smiling brightly up at him. Ugh, I did notice, actually. Annabelle muttered, glancing at Bartholomew peeking out of her shirt at her shoulder. The little shit's been trying to introduce himself to everyone I meet. Creeping up towards my arms when I'm talking to mom. I must look so weird when I slap myself to make him stop. Anyway, it's almost lunchtime. Thanks for calling and for agreeing to marry me. I know it's not, you know, like a proper romanticized proposal, but it'll mean a lot to my parents. Okay, D, I love you. We're cutting it short because of the attack, so I'll be back in about a day, hopefully. Say hi to Oslo. Let me talk to her, Chris. Susan said, startling him a little. Oh, ah, uh, Susan wants to talk to you. Chris handed the phone to his mother. Congratulations, Annabelle. Susan bubbled. But shouldn't you have asked me for his hand first? You're so old-fashioned. Annabelle teased back. You're okay, though, Susan? I mean, after all that stuff on the road. Yeah, I think I'll be fine. I was so scared, though, and angry at him for being impulsive. He's been great, though, holding me. I feel much better now. Susan pausing as Chris resumed stroking her. Annabelle. Susan panted a little. I wasn't going to, but now he's touching me and I have to ask. Can I? I mean, can we? Yes. Annabelle answered honestly, instantly knowing what Susan wanted. It was okay and that she couldn't deny Susan any longer. Thank you? Susan sighed in relief. Enjoy, Susan. Bye. Annabelle hung up, realized she was still happy, and went downstairs to help her mom set out lunch. Susan practically threw the phone onto the floor with a happy squeal. Yes. She sat up, pulling her old t-shirt over her head, throwing it over by the phone. Her full tits jiggled right in Chris's face. What are you doing? Chris was mesmerized by the beautiful display of bouncy flesh. We are going to finally make love, Susan pronounced. Her entire body was ready for it, over ready. Annabelle said it's okay. Chris didn't bother talking as he kicked off his sweatpants and sat up too, kneeling on the bed so he faced her, eyes drawn to his breasts as he placed his own legs outside of hers, trapping them, his erection resting in the valley between her thighs, pointed directly at its moist target. You're sure about this? He asked, stopping his hand halfway towards her breasts. Despite what he'd said a few days ago about taking it slow with her, kissing and touching her so lovingly over that time had weakened his resolve to the point they were at now. If she wanted it, he wouldn't stop himself. Hurry up! Susan wailed, watching his hand stop midair. She thrust her chest out at him not daring to look further down at his huge erection in her lap. Touch them. It was more than enough of an invitation for Chris. His hands shot forwards to cup her lovely breasts, filling his purple hands, satisfying but not overflowing much. He squeezed firmly and Susan moaned, pressing herself into him. She was so soft in his hands and he felt her nipples stiffen quickly against his palms. It was too much, he had to have them in his mouth. Chris pushed her down onto her back, watching his mother's boobs bounce and sway. She giggled happily as he crawled up her body, between her splayed legs until his face was in her chest. For a minute he simply rubbed his face against the soft mounds, feeling her smooth flesh bend and give against his cheek or his chin. Then he brought his hands back up to play with her as well, resting on his elbows with some of his weight pushing her into the bed, 
Her breasts were much larger than Annabelle's, still firm but nowhere near as pert. They splayed very slightly to the sides or downwards if he didn't support them with his hands. They were a different shape, too, where Annabelle's small breasts were perfectly rounded with tiny button nipples, Susan's entire breasts were more pointed, a soft and cone shape. The tips of the cones were taken up entirely by her pebbled areolas, topped by larger, succulent-looking nipples. He eventually opened his mouth and sucked greedily on the milky flesh just to the right of her brown areola. Yes. Oh, Chris, it's been so long. Suck them, please kiss them. Susan moaned as his suction sent shivers up and down her body, twitching underneath him. He did just that, gently sucking and kissing all the flesh he could lay his lips on except her nipples, which she really wanted. She was moaning throatily as he would manipulate whichever breast wasn't entertaining his mouth with a firm hand or teasingly pull his claws over her contours, careful never to scratch her. Her white skin, freckled slightly with the occasional brown beauty sat soon reddened, responding to his touch. Don't tease, Chris! Susan begged. Where her son had learned that certain sexual art she couldn't fathom, all she knew was that if she didn't get her nipples in his mouth she would go nuts. Chris relented, enclosing her firm right nipple in his hot mouth while he gently tweaked her left between two fingers. He sucked quite hard, feeling her flesh pull into his mouth, giving and shaping around his sharp teeth. Ah! Uh, try us! Susan wailed, feeling him pull heavily on her teeth. She thrust her chest at him forcefully, arching her back off the bed and making fists in his short, purple hair to pull him closer. Her eyes closed tight at the deep pleasure she felt, the danger of her soft flesh at the mercy of his tooth and fong. She even had a momentary urge to have him bite her before his tongue lapped around her pebbled areola and across her nipple delightfully. The witch didn't realize she was on the verge of orgasm until the dragon suddenly switched sides, repeating his treatment on her left breast as he pinched her wet, swollen right nipple. The pull at her breast sent a jolt all the way down to her fluttering pussy. She bucked her hips upwards into the underside of his thick shaft, unintentionally bumping her clitoris into his hardness. Oh ho ho my god! She moaned as it tipped her well over the edge. Susan mumbled a little more but mostly shut her eyes tight and wrote it out as her body jolted with pleasure, her insides experiencing spasms of heady satisfaction. She could feel how slick she was between her legs as her moisture spread into her curls. Chris held still, stayed latched onto her luscious tit as she moaned out her pleasure, grinding her crotch up into his, tickling his shaft delightfully with her warm forest. He released her gently once her orgasm died down. Wow, mom. I didn't know women could actually come from that. Chris murmured almost reverently. He was nuzzling her breasts as he spoke, almost like he was talking to them rather than her. I didn't either, but my little friend in the boat certainly helped. Susan breathed, chest heaving and glistening from his tongue. She pulled him up to kiss his forehead, then his lips gently. And don't you dare call me mom when we have sex. I'll call you whatever I like. Chris teased. And I do like it. The taboo aspect somehow exciting him now rather than being repulsive. She was beautiful and they loved each other. The rest was white noise at this point. Breaking away, he returned to suckle at her fantastic boobs again. You're a monster. Susan moaned as he tongued and sucked her nipples again, more gently this time. Do you like them? There are 36 C. Know what that means? My right one is a bit bigger, though. Susan waxed educational. Really? He pulled back to study Susan's breasts closely, cupping them then letting them go to watch them quiver and settle. Susan smiled up at him as he explored her body, laying her arms above her head so he could spot the difference more easily. Like this, her right breast sat a little lower on her chest, weighed down slightly over the years by its additional mass. Huh, that's cool. Of course I like them, can't you tell? And yes, it means you're 36 inches around here he said, gripping her just below her breasts and around her sides. And see is the cup size, large but not huge. Well, aren't you knowledgeable? She cooed, wrapping her arms up around his neck. I've done my research, he said against her lips as he laid his body more completely on top of her, his hard penis hinting how deeply he would soon penetrate her. Susan felt his hot dick on her belly and gave a teasing wriggle, spreading her legs a little wider. Oh, yeah? Well, whose do you like better, mine or Annabelle's? She asked seductively. Chris saw the pitfall for what it was and stepped around it. Yours are certainly bigger and obviously very sensitive, but you're both absolutely beautiful and Annabelle's suit her perfectly. Susan chuckled huskily. Good answer. Now please, let's get on with it. It's been so long, I can't wait. How long? 
Chris asked after they broke an open-eyed kiss, caressing each other's bodies lovingly. He stroked down her sides and out across her smooth, open thighs, making her skin tingle and shiver. Far too long, ever since we fled. So go slow, all right? You've got a lot to fit in me. Okay? It's not that big, is it? Chris asked. He tried to be gentle with Annabelle, but that was her first time. Now Susan seemed apprehensive, too, and he didn't want to hurt her. It's pretty damn big, Chris. Susan smirked at her son and kissed his lips reassuringly. Surely he knew that he was very well hung. You need to be careful with your partners until they get used to you. Never push too hard if you come up against something. I know you'll always be a caring, considerate lover, unless of course she wants something else from you. He kissed her, feeling her smile against his lips. Even with his experience with Annabelle, he was thankful for her reassurance and advice. He was about to reach for her panties and position himself when another idea came to him. Got it, Mom, but... He grinned cheekily. I'm afraid you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer, though. I really want to taste you. Can't we do that later? It was nice that he wanted to, but right then she wanted sex, just plain old. Tab A slot B. Sex. Nope. It's gotta be now. Chris kissed down her neck and across her pointy tits again, right into her sternum. When he reached her soft, gently rolled tummy, she giggled, obviously quite ticklish. Besides, Chris started boldly, knowing he'd probably get slapped as he finished the sentence and continued his journey down her sexy body. I've got to check there aren't any cobwebs. Oh, you little shit. Susan laughed, tugging his hair in retaliation as the big, strong dragon offered a playful yelp. Inside, she loved that he could be this relaxed and playful with her. I'll forgive you because I'm your mother, but you'd better lick me good. Still grinning, he pressed his hot tongue firmly into the seam of her moist panties, tasting her for the first time through the fabric. It stopped any further words leaving her mouth for a while as he played up and down her slit. Her fragrance was in his nose and on his tongue, the air thick and warm with her steamy essence. A little salty and slightly earthy, she lacked the tangy sweetness he'd come to associate with Annabelle. However, she had a slicker, somehow buttery texture which was just as enticing in its own right. This was the taste of her pleasure, and he would happily lap that from her all day. Chris decided to make their first time together last, teasing her large, pouty labia through her panties and kissing up her soft thighs till she grabbed his head and shoved him back into her nest. Her long, unkempt black curls splayed around the edges of loose underwear. The entire area was damp and the dark hairs plastered down against her smooth, sensitive skin. When using a bit of force didn't work, Susan begged more than a little, quivering and panting. Please, Chris, please. Finally, he relented and started pulling the silky fabric up her legs and off her ankles. Her face brightened so much he almost felt bad for teasing her so long. Almost. She let her legs fall open heavily and Chris moved in close for his first view of his mother's excited pussy. She was indeed 100% natural. A thick mat of soft raven curls covered her pubis. Her puffy lips were thick and furred with longer, straighter hairs. Those juicy lips guarded her deep pinkness which was just visible. Susan looked down to see him staring, instantly embarrassed that she'd misjudged his enthusiasms for her thick muff. She leaned forward on her elbows to explain. I haven't needed to but I'll start trimming for you, Chris. Annabelle said she keeps them cut back and off her vagina? Don't you dare, Chris said fervently, looking up form between her legs, a huge toothy grin on his purple face, his wings splayed slightly in the backdrop. You're amazing like this. I thought. S-H-H-H-H. Chris lowered his mouth onto her. He maintained eye contact until he sunk his tongue between her crinkled inner lips and she gasped in delight, her head falling back to the bed. That's it, yes. Go deeper. He obliged, pushing deep at first, his tongue attempting to touch everything it possibly could. He wriggled it against one velvety wall, then another, all the while savoring her taste and slickness. Susan again forced his head down whilst pushing off the bed with her hips. She actually got a bit too forceful and Chris had to grasp her firmly at mid-thigh, pushing her legs wide open and holding her down to modulate her bucking. She whimpered unhappily, so he allowed her control over his head for a while in consolation. She moaned and guided his movements towards her peaking clitoris. There, nestled happily in its hood and surrounded by her pubes, Chris's forked tongue found the excited little bud. He pushed the broad, flat part against it, drawing it over her, tracing imagined shapes across her sensitive nub while his nose was lost in the thickest part of her damp, womanly forest. Susan writhed in ecstasy, her sensitive clit firing jolts up her body as his tongue crossed and recrossed it. 
She felt something pressing into her and wailed happily, penetrated by his single finger. He was careful of his talon as he sunk his index finger between her hot folds. She was so slick it sunk in quickly, but he wriggled inside her and that was all it took as she screamed out her pleasure. Her body seemed to undulate, muscles tensing and releasing rhythmically while her soft channel clutched at his finger. She pushed his head down into her greedily, humping into his face for a while and pulling his hair, finding the ridges of three bumps behind his temples where his horns would grow with her scrabbling fingers. Chris slowed his tongue on her clit, and she eventually pushed him off, oversensitive. A as she recovered, splayed open with her eyes staring at the ceiling and her chest heaving and wet, Chris took the opportunity to examine her juices on his finger. He was by no means a connoisseur but it was definitely thicker than Annabelle's, slightly cloudy and very slick, almost viscous as he watched it stretch between his thumb and forefinger before lapping it off. He couldn't wait to have the same stuff coating his erection, facilitating their lovemaking. Holy shit. Susan breathed, a small quiver running her melted body. You're going to fucking kill me when we have sex, Chris. I came so hard on just your finger. As she spoke, he lowered his head back to her hot, inflamed flesh, laying little kisses up and down each of her engorged labia, teasing them between his lips. They looked so plush and edible, with her pubes making a dark halo around the pink flower. Hey, let me return the favor. Susan said weakly. Uh. Chris shook his head, grinning into her heat, gripping her soft relaxed thighs and pushing them a little higher and wider, watching how the movement changed the shape of her wonderful pussy, making her lips open a little and revealing a full, glistening sheen of her lubrication coating her pink insides. He couldn't wait to be inside her. How come? That's not fair. Susan lay back as the dragon explored her body. She was happy to let him play and learn. You'll get a chance later. He chuckled at her almost whiny tone. Next he brought her legs together up towards her chest, until her knees touched, but let her lower legs flop to the sides limply. He looked down and simply stared. Like this, her right vagina was crushed obscenely into an exaggerated pout, her inner frill barely peeking out between those puffy lips while her black curls spilled outwards onto her smooth, creamy thighs. It was the most brutally sexual thing he'd witnessed, absolutely beautiful as her pussy was squeezed out between her closed legs. He had to have her exactly like that. Stop staring at it. Susan wriggled as he didn't move for almost half a minute. Mom, it looks so perfect like that, Chris said reverently. Hold still, okay? I'm going to put it in. He took her hands and replaced his own under her knees. Hands freed, he shuffled forwards until his thighs were flushed to her ass and his erection bobbed between them. Are you ready? He asked, arching his butt back to give himself room to position the tip against her lips. They parted automatically, accepting just a little of him into her moist heat until he would need to apply some force. Do it already. Susan panted, feeling his warmth against her. Chris brought his hand around to hold her hips, pushed a little and his flared head slowly pressed her open, approaching the point of maximum resistance. He looked down between them, watching her swallow him up with rapt attention. Suddenly it was past her portal and his shaft sank in quickly, surprising him. He let out a loud grunt of pleasure as his sensitive helmet felt the quick, hot friction of her tight channel for the first time. Susan grunted as the dragon practically skewered her with little resistance. Fuck! Slow, Chris. Slow. I didn't mean to, Mom. Chris panted at the exquisite pressure and warmth surrounding fully half his cock. You're so damn slippery it just went in. I know, sweetie, just try to take it slowly. Susan felt a little stuffed, her vagina not used to penetration let alone something as thick or long as Chris. They held still for a while until she was ready. Okay, try a little more. He inserted a bit more into her slowly, pushing deep, but she stopped him with her hands on his thighs. That's quite enough for now. She huffed. Oh wow, that's, oh yeah, that's so good. I can feel you all the way inside me. He still had that sizable length left outside her, but she was snug, slippery, and absolutely hot against his sensitive, hard flesh, sending carnal pleasure coursing all over his erection and up to his brain. Her coaching and praises fell on relatively deaf ears. Chris was transfixed by the lewd image of his thick cock parting her pink lips wide between her closed legs. He was pulling back slowly before realizing it, watching her strained labia drag slightly backwards with him, then thrusting forwards again, making Susan gasp. Gently, Chris. She coached breathily, her breasts beginning to jiggle just slightly as he began his paced thrusts. I'm not used to this, remember? I know, Mom, you feel so good though. 
I love you. Chris panted at the strain of holding off. His dragon wanted to just fuck this beautiful woman really hard. She saw the almost pained look on his face and knew he was holding back. I love you too, Chris. You feel amazing inside me. Amen. Yes. Just slow like that feels so good. On. I'm really full but I'll get used to you soon, baby. Then you can go a bit faster. He took her legs in his hands again, holding them in his now favorite position as he plowed in and out with long, slow thrusts. Every time he pulled back until he saw the ridge of his crown between her lips, holding for a second before sinking back in, letting her get used to him, and never pushing past the point she'd indicated. She was already panting, moaning with each thrust, her pussy gripping him every now and then. It was so wet, as he pulled back, he could see a slick sheen on his erection up to the point of his deepest penetration where it formed a milky ring around him. He paused his thrust momentarily, reaching down to wipe some off with his thumb. He brought it to his mouth to taste before resuming his leisurely pace, determined to have Susan come at least twice on him. Barely five thrusts later, her juices were back around him, worked into a fine lather by their friction at her lips. She marked him like a dipstick as he strove to test her pleasure levels. Chris thought of it as a sexy little quirk of her individuality and proceeded to slightly increase his pace, sheathing himself into his gorgeous stepmother and loving every second. His desire to kiss her won out after several minutes and he let Susan's legs fall, splaying wide against the bed, he leaned in and claimed her mouth as he continued fucking her slowly, almost teasingly, muffling her grateful moans with his lips. Susan kissed back enthusiastically, happy he'd gotten over his little obsession with watching her pussy. She reached to grasp his sides as he wound one hand in her long hair and cupped her breast with another. This was exactly how she wanted him, pressing down on her while he made love to her entire body. He'd hit his stride, firm, pace thrusts into her gripping warmth, and she could feel a pressure building deep inside her. She was going to have a massive orgasm soon and reveled in its inevitability. She whimpered, thrust her hips forwards to take him a bit deeper, digging her nails into his back a little and raking across his wings. That really seemed to set him off, making him break his kiss to look into her eyes as they built towards release. She sweated more, exchanging brief, hard tongue-filled kisses until their movement forced them apart for breath. Chris felt Susan start to tighten around him and maintained his pace for her. The problem was, he was now just as on edge as she was. She was so slick and warm, tight too. Her pussy massaged him exquisitely especially his sensitive head which traversed the entire length of her cavern and lodged in her tight depths at the end of every thrust. Now he twitched and his testicles churned ominously. He prayed she was really close. As Susan felt her son begin to thicken a little further, swell slightly and become harder, she keened in triumph, knowing their mutual orgasm was just around the corner. She gripped him tight. Yes, Chris. Mmmmn. You're so good. Fuck. Come with me. I want to feel it. Don't, don't pull out. I. I need you inside me. She barely got the words out as he thrust harder and she fell into absolute bliss, pleasure racking her body as she orgasmed underneath him, the most powerful of her life. Susan felt her mind blank briefly in overload, too pleasured to hold any other thoughts. Her mouth hung open with a loud gasp of breath before she absolutely screamed her joy. Cryus! Her cry died with a strangled gurgle as her climax continued to roll through, curling her toes and almost cramping her feet as she looked up at him with amazed, wide blue eyes, barely managing to keep them open as her insides churned and fluttered around his thrusts, so slick now that her tight spasms couldn't slow him. It didn't matter. He was already roaring in her ear, his reptilian face set in a snarl of satisfaction. He clutched her soft body to him a little painfully as he pushed his magnificent cock deep, jerking his hips into her with each of the powerful jets it released, snarling and panting like a beast. As soon as his scalding, magically imbued sperm hit her insides, she felt the zing of energy rushing through her body. She greedily absorbed all he would give her, whimpering and breathing heavily into his ear as her orgasm continued, sending elation speeding through her body with each spurt. Chris panted into her neck as she drained him, practically milking his erection with her undulations and her writhing body. Waves of pleasure crashed over him. He felt every twitch pass through his cock as its spasm sent his seed forcefully on its way to Susan's womb. When it died down with a few weak dribbles, so sensitive he didn't dare move it, he collapsed down onto her sweaty breast, head next to hers on the bed with their ears pressed together. She still quivered and clutched at him as he regained his senses. He was still hard inside her. That was something new. Oh shit, wow, oh Chris. 
Susan breathed as he pushed himself up on his elbows to look down at her sweaty, satisfied body. That was amazing. The best. I can't believe it's true. Your cum set me off instantly. I can feel my entire body humming with your magic. I swear I could cast, like, fifty spells right now. She was giddy, like a young girl again as the beautiful dragon looked down at her lovingly. Thanks, Mom, you felt fucking amazing, too. I'm so glad we did this, I love you. He kissed her a little, nuzzling into her neck and damp hair before teasing her again. Your pussy is super slippery, by the way, and also really tight. It felt so good to cream inside you. He gave an experimental thrust with to accentuate his point. That's no way to talk to your mother. Susan giggled happily. Oh, so you want to be my mother all of again all of a sudden? Ha! Huh. You don't seem to care. Susan smiled. I know I get really wet though. I've always been like that. Some guys didn't like that I get kind of white and a little frothy. Chris was surprised and a little annoyed at those faceless jerks. How could anyone not enjoy that about this lovely, sexy woman? Well, that's stupid. I think it's hot and it feels awesome. Thanks, honey. Susan cooed. Okay, why don't you roll over so we can go again? Chris, I'm not sure I can handle another round. Susan said tentatively. She just had the most intense sex of her life, the first real encounter in about 15 years and now he already wanted to go again. From behind, no less. Please, mom, I'm still hard. I promise I'll make you come again. The purple dragon coaxed, reaching down to hold her waist as he began thrusting gently in and out again, stirring her embers into flame once more. Mmm. Susan went limp for a few moments to enjoy his cock moving inside her. Okay, okay. She laughed, feeling him rubbing delightfully inside her again, still stuffing her full with his hard girth. All right, you've twisted my arm. Let me up, baby. Chris quickly pulled out and let her up, looking down at his oily erection as she got on all fours and pulled her raven hair down one side of her neck. She looked over her other shoulder and smiled at him. Come on, big boy, what are you waiting for? She gave a seductive wiggle of her wide hips, her big, squishy, white ass jiggling slightly in the air, with her creamed pussy ready and willing to take him again. I'm not going to hold back this time. He warned as he rose up behind her, his penis in hand, ready to be positioned. His warning sparked delightful shudder to work its way up her spine, all the way to the tips of her ears. Her body tingled in its wake and she let out a wanton moan of encouragement. He seated his pointed crown in between her lips again and grabbed two handfuls of her giving ass. Then he pulled her back slowly onto him with a groan as she enveloped him once more. He didn't stop as she shuddered and whimpered in response to his depth, mating completely until his helmet butted the entrance to her womb. He only had a little left outside her this time. Susan felt him filling her completely this time, going all the way. She let out a huff of air when he was as deep as he could get before looking back at him. No one's ever done that to me, Chris. Fuck, I'm so damn full. Remember, not too hard. I'll remember, said the dragon. But I'm really going to fuck you this time. Susan could only smile back at the purple beast penetrating her. She knew was dealing with more of the dragon this time. His thrust started out slowly, thankfully letting her get used to the new position and his increased depth, but it didn't last long. Soon enough he was pumping into her, pushing almost his entire length in and out of her. Chris grabbed great handfuls of Susan's bubbly ass, kneading the flesh greedily, and using it to pull her down onto his thrusts, making her squeal or grunt each time he was all the way inside her. It felt amazing to slip his entire length into her quickly, sexy to make the air huff from her lungs, knowing she couldn't take any more of him. He was still on his knees behind her, looking down at the shape of her but his now froth-coated cock pulling a vanishing act inside her constrictive, hot pussy. Her tapered waist and smooth back were a beautiful backdrop as his hands mauled her rosy flesh. Then Chris saw a new target for his hands, the little soft bits of jiggling flesh where her legs met her hips, so succulent and giving as her position on all fours exaggerated them. He reached out to hold them, being more gentle than he was with her ass. They were satisfyingly soft and giving, he proceeded to use them to fuck her a little faster, making her ass shake. Susan couldn't help but moan like a whore. Chris, her son, was truly fucking the shit out of her. She could feel him as he shoved his thickness in fast and deep, stretching her, filling her all the way up only to pull back just as quickly. Somehow he had his thrusts measured to just gently touch the tip of his cockhead against her cervix every fucking time, despite how fast or rough the rest of his penetration was. Every time he filled her, there was so much friction she would moan or yelp out her pleasure, 
so much pleasure deep inside her that she felt her climax building too quickly. In the beginning she just let him fuck her but now she couldn't help but buck back as he squeezed her little love handles and took her like a common slut. That naughty thought set her right off, squealing and tensing as another orgasm ripped up her body. Nah! She shoved back hard, impaling herself. At least he had the decency to stop fucking her while she came, her back arching repeatedly with her abdomen tensing. Her vagina tried to coax him into orgasm as well but it was no use, his thick shaft remained rock hard, smug that it had made her come alone. At least that's how it seemed to her. With her eyes shut tight and her body arched back towards him, she gave in to the pleasure, rejoiced as it flowed through her. The dragon, behind and deep inside her, slipped a hand around her soft navel and up to her sensitive breasts, cupping one then feathering her nipple as her orgasm died and little shakes traveled her body, putting goose flesh down her arms. Oh, fuck! Susan breathed, her upper body going limp, attempting to slump onto the bed. Chris caught her, pulling her back until she was upright against his chest. That! Chris! I don't know! She mumbled, her mind addled with pleasure, as he held her chest with one hand, stroking her flank soothingly with the other. Sure, it's okay, Susan! He soothed into her damp hair, now disarrayed, falling down around her face and across her back. He could tell that she'd had enough, but his dragon seemed particularly keen to continue breeding their new mate, the newest member of his brood. Instinctively, he began a series of tiny thrusts inside her, slowly working on her as he increased their length. She seemed a little limp in his arms, he held her across the chest with one hand on her full, right breast. The other was on her hip, guiding her onto his thrusts. She gripped both his purple forearms in response but didn't have much strength. Her head lolled back against his shoulder, and her eyes were closed, making cute little noises to the rhythm of their hips. With her back arched up into him, he couldn't go as deep but she felt a little tighter somehow. Susan had resigned herself to just relaxing and letting him do all the work. Her body hummed with the magic he'd recently given her but her muscles were at the point of collapse. He clearly wasn't done with her but she was one too many orgasms past being an active participant. It didn't mean he couldn't fuck her though, a task he clearly intended to complete as he pushed his girth back and forwards, picking up his speed again. It also didn't stop her from enjoying it, his thick cock rubbing exquisitely against the sensitive front wall of her cavern in this new position. Her head tossed side to side every now and then, moaning as the relentless thrusting and deep fullness forced ripples of pleasure up her body. Chris felt his entire body tensing and quivering again as he sheathed his cock into this woman he loved dearly. He'd been close for a few minutes as he held her tight against his chest but held back a little as he enjoyed fucking her slick heat, not wanting it to end. However, he could feel her body was again working towards a reluctant orgasm and decided to race to the finish, picking up his pace until her ass made muffled slapping sounds against his hips. Susan was practically wailing in his arms, limp and sweaty. She was so beautiful as they made love. His cock expanded again slightly in preparation, and after driving himself deep into her two more times, the first thick ropes blasted out the end. Ramhamha! The dragon growled into Susan's neck as he shot into her, wanting to inject her with his itch, but holding back as his seeds splattered against her hot walls. The intense pleasure racked his body as she came, too, her pussy gripping him, fluttering a little weakly, she was tired out. Susan felt her orgasm tip over and smash like a vase on floor as his hot splashes hit her insides. She panted and whimpered a little as pleasure fired white behind her eyelids again and again with his pulses her body tensing and her spent pussy clutching at him. He held her tight against his chest and growled contentment and satisfaction into her ear, claiming her. Her body again coursed with his magic, she felt bloated with it, not used to dealing with so much energy at one time. It dawned on her then how much more powerful he was than her, if the energy he could give her like this was enough to charge her body to overflowing. To be loved and cherished by such a powerful being was a gift, and her feelings overwhelmed her a little. I love you, baby, she whispered, turning to kiss him where his mouth was against her ear. The beast was finally satisfied as he spent inside her body a second time felt his essence, and sent merging with her, marking her. The dragon was happy that he'd initiated the beautiful female into his brood so thoroughly. They kissed for a few moments before Chris pulled his softening, glistening shaft from her. He laid Susan back in the right place on the bed before going to the bathroom for a washcloth. He cleaned himself, around his balls and pubis where their moisture had seeped, then went back to do Susan who murmured her thanks as her tired, flushed, blissfully melted body cooled. Once he was back in bed, he pulled her into his chest, spooning her with her ass against his crotch. 
That was amazing, Susan. I love you. Chris kissed her damp hair and scented her deeply. Me too, Chris. Susan responded, sounding groggy. They were silent for a moment as she arranged his arm to wrap around her just below her tits, cupping the one nearest the sheet, relaxing in their post-orgasmic stupor. Did you feel the energy I gave you? Chris whispered. The dragon put in quite a bit extra in for you, I think. It was too much, Chris. I'm overflowing. It's seeping out of me. That's okay. It was a gift. Besides, the more I push your limits, the more you'll be able to hold. Think we can get you to class three? Chris asked. You can have more whenever you need it. You don't ever have to make contracts for my, uh, services? Maybe. She giggled. I could become class three in a few years if we try really hard. Then became more serious. Are you really going to do that, Chris? Have sex with other beings for money so they can harvest your energy? No. Chris sighed. I think I'll stay away from those types. You and I can always just have sex, drain the energy into a gemstone and sell that. But I think we'll be fine for money. We just need to work out where we're going to live. I wish I had a gemstone now. This stuff is going to waste. Why don't you do something fun with it? Chris asked. Susan thought for a moment before she took her right hand out from under the covers, concentrating on the simple trick and drawing on the abundant energy coursing her body. Three little colorful balls of light grew at the tip of her index finger. She flicked them off and they flew around the room briefly before exploding in a silent shower of green, yellow, and red sparks. It illuminated the room with flashes of colored light, casting strange shadows and making Chris smile and nuzzle the back of her flushed neck. We need to find a new house, by the way. Rayla has cameras and bugs all through that apartment. Susan admitted, half expecting the dragon to flip out. So she's seen everything we've done, Chris said quietly as he ran his thumb across her soft skin. Lillian knows? She told me on the first day. Susan set off a few more tiny magical fireworks to use up her excess energy. It was relaxing to see the joyful, floating little lights. She imagined they felt just like she did in that moment. She's bound to Rayla by a blood pact and hates it. I'm starting to get the impression Rayla's a real bitch. Yes, but she means well, I think. She's a control freak with a sadistic side, but she's been good so far. We should start looking for a place to live, though. It'll need to be secure, but with easy access to where we work and not cost an arm and a leg. HRMM. That sounds a bit like wishful thinking, doesn't it? Susan chuckled slightly, releasing the last of the lights into the air. She'd gotten rid of enough of his energy so that her body could hold the rest, saving it for later use. Maybe, but we can do magic, remember? Chris mused quietly. Speaking of which, when can I learn to do stuff like those little fireworks? Well, I suppose there's nothing stopping you, but remember, rote learning hundreds of spells is the way humans do it. Our main advantage is a quick understanding and control of magic, not great powers. Dragons and the other mingled beings have a harder time with that. Instead you use your magically enhanced bodies to do things. But Chris, you did some pretty powerful magic this afternoon. The grenade thingy? It was just an idea. I didn't know it would actually happen. Chris murmured, enjoying the feel of Susan repositioning her naked body slightly closer against his. Yeah, it takes quite a lot of energy to make an explosion like that. That's what I mean though, a dragon's aspect magic is powerful and intuitive. You phase two, which is more of a physical thing though. Hey, if I learned to phase properly, could I take other people with me? The beginnings of an idea formed in his mind. There's no reason you couldn't. It might take a bit of energy, but you managed to pull me into the ether on that first day, after all. That's the first step in phasing. Why? What do you have planned? Susan could almost hear his mind ticking over behind her but was too damn tired and content to bother turning to look at his face. Don't go trialing your ideas until you know what you're doing. Magic can be dangerous and unforgiving. Don't worry, Mom, I think I've just come up with a place for us to live. With dim, high-latitude sunlight streaming through the windows onto his face, Chris woke the next morning with his nose against Susan's forehead. She turned in the night to face him and now their limbs were entwined around each other. He kissed her forehead tenderly, so happy in the wake of the night before. She looked absolutely beautiful in the soft light, so peaceful, he'd never had the chance to study her up close and he just stared at her for a few minutes. Susan woke up as the dragon tickled her nose with his flattened snout, searching for her lips with his. It was startling to wake in someone's arms, something Susan hadn't experienced for far, far too long. However, they did end up kissing and petting for about ten minutes. She ran her hands over him, 
feeling his smooth, scaled skin and the animal strength in the muscles beneath. She couldn't get enough of his smell and ended up sucking and nibbling at his collarbone where she'd have thought it was strongest. The dragon chuckled at her wanton little noises while he dragged his hand over her back, squeezing her ample ass. Her sensitive breasts were flattened against him and his erection was making a small, slippery stain against her soft thigh before Susan reluctantly stopped them going any further. She rolled away from him suddenly with a quiet curse. They were already behind schedule. Everyone was showered and eating breakfast by eight o'clock. Lillian was hungry but there was no blood for her. She would have to feed tonight or get some blood today if she was going to stay 100% around Chris. Her hunger reflected in her slightly cranky demeanor, although no one could see her scowls as she was invisible again. Thankfully, their brief trip was already drawing to a close as the three dragons discussed various aspects of their lives, what possibilities lay at Chris's feet. Lillian observed the way Susan hovered around Chris even more today and had that happy, telltale glow about her. If those weren't enough, their combined moans and screams last night could have woken the dead, the undead anyway, if she'd actually been asleep. Susan felt the vampire's eyes on her and returned a broad, happy smile in her general direction, feeling full of energy and love after her wonderful night with the dragon. Lillian tried to tell herself that she wasn't jealous of that contented look and happy smile. Was the dragon really that good? Again, the conversation moved to the living room, centered on the subject of Chris's gold. John had made some dragon gold of his own in his youth but gave it up once he established a respectable hoard buried deep below the house. As a dragon, there were possibilities for much easier lucrative work. The older couple was enthusiastic about him starting to take his own contracts and begin his education as soon as possible. I'm only disappointed that the global meeting of dragons is seven years away, John said, continuing before Chris could ask the obvious. It occurs at the start of each decade. Elizabeth shrugged. Well, you will be meeting Claire and Petra before long and probably other dragons too, in the meantime. The elder dragon chuckled. Oh yes, and won't word spread quickly among us that there is a new member of the endangered club? An ether dragon, no less. He looked from his wife to the youngling. Take care of you and yours as you meld with your dragon, Chris. We want you around for a very long while. They'd commandeered one of John Guthrie's cars, a powerful black Mercedes which was modified for safe transport of council members. This meant luxury and comfort as well as bulletproof glass, UV shielding, and all sorts of high-tech devices inside. Lillian was driving again, still hungry and grumpy, while Chris and Susan spent a lot of the trip back to London sitting together or just smooching in the back, thoroughly besotted with this new aspect of their relationship. Before they left the Guthrie residence, Chris had been assured that he could call them night or day about anything at all, and that once Petra and Claire Godran got in touch with him, he'd have another great source of knowledge that he'd thank them and said goodbye, having a brief argument with his dragon about going back into his human form. The dragon had thought it was more important to be safe if there were any more attacks than to have his big wings and purple skin alerting everyone to the presence of beings as they drove past. Chris had won though, and now they were on the outskirts of London in the early evening. What time's our charter flight? Susan asked. We aren't going back on a scheduled flight, it's too easy for someone to get to us. Lillian explained from the front. We'll take a public flight and no one will know. If anyone does find out there'll be hundreds of captive witnesses, they won't be able to do shit. Lillian had been on edge the entire drive, mulling yesterday's events over again and again. It didn't fit. Someone had leaked information about their schedule which meant that they were still in danger. We'll borrow a car from Lord Harcott, I'll get a meal, and then we'll get the first available flight out of Heathrow. Isn't that dangerous? How's Chris supposed to be on a plane for hours? Susan thought the vampire's idea was a little foolhardy. Wouldn't the Synod look after us and provide safe transport if we weren't happy with the charter? Look. Lillian hissed, her hunger and worry translating into an angry snarl. We are in another country, with no one we can truly trust nearby. The people who are supposed to be helping us are the only ones who know we're here, yet we were attacked. That means someone is giving them information. Therefore, we need to get back to familiar territory as fast as possible, in ways that aren't predictable. That means human airlines, and if you think Chris will be a problem, we'll grab whatever you need to make a neutralizing agent for his fucking pheromones. Lillian breathed deep after her little rant, more out of reflex than necessity. Sorry, Chris said, hugging Susan who was terrified all over again after having their situation laid out in no uncertain terms. She thought they were in the clear after the failed attack. We aren't used to all this. Thank you, Lillian. 
I didn't mean to yell, she replied. I'm just on edge, and I'm really hungry. Chris woke with a start, not believing he'd actually managed to fall asleep in the cramped seat, his knees jammed into the back of the one in front. The loud whine of the engines filled his ears. For a moment he just sat there with his eyes still shut until the little touch that had originally woken him repeated itself, a finger trailing down his thigh. His eyes shot open to be met by a nice pair of brown ones, an unfamiliar pair, as their owner trailed her finger back up his leg. What are you doing? He whispered accusingly to the flight attendant. He heard Lillian chuckle from the empty window seat and glanced across to her. Susan was still asleep in between them. I don't know, Christopher, why don't you come up behind the curtain with me? She asked. Chris saw her name tag pinned onto her suit-style jacket. Jennifer. No, thanks, and how do you know my name? Chris tried to wriggle back into the seat, reaching to push her back a little. She just grabbed his hand and placed it on her modest breast, holding it there firmly with a small coup as she leaned into him from the aisle. What the fuck are you doing? He hissed, angrily pulling his hand back. The cabin lights were down but she wouldn't go unnoticed forever. I looked you up in the passenger manifest. I don't know why but I really like you. Jennifer said seductively. Let's have some fun, I think Linda likes you too. She really didn't know why she was assaulting this young man, risking her job, but it all seemed worth it somehow. He'd caught her eye as he'd shuffled past her down the aisle, trying not to bump people with his shoulders. He'd passed close and she'd gotten a whiff of whatever lovely cologne he was wearing. Fuck. Jennifer, look, just go back to your station. I don't want to do this and neither do you. You'd lose your job. Chris leaned over to Susan. Mom, wake up. Lillian's quiet titter sounded again. You couldn't have done anything about this, Lillian? He asked, peeved that the invisible vampire seemed to find it funny. Come on, Chris. Jennifer whined a little louder, gripping his arm and trying to pull him up out of his seat. Don't all guys fantasize about joining the Mile High Club? No one will know, we can do it in the toilet. His resistance only made her more desperate to convince him as her mind began to abandon reason only to be replaced by more lust. That's enough. Chris said forcefully, noticing several passengers to start from sleep, a couple heads turning their way. Get yourself under control, Jennifer, I don't want to do that with you. He felt guilty as soon as he'd said it. It wasn't her fault, she probably just thought he was cute then got snared by his pheromones. She had a sad, hurt look on her face and the beginnings of tears in her eyes as she took a startled step back, like she'd never even considered he wouldn't reciprocate her advances. After a moment of looking sadly at him, she mumbled an apology and retreated up the aisle, arms wrapped around her torso. Jennifer. I fuck. Chris almost got out of his seat to apologize but Susan stopped him. Don't. Just stay away, it'll be easier for her. That's got to be the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Chris said, his heart calming down after the encounter. It's going to be hard to get used to. Susan paused, reaching under the seat in front of her to retrieve the small kit she always carried for making potions on the fly, this time literally. Okay, we better go make up a neutralizing solution for her and anyone else you've affected. I'll follow about 30 seconds after you and knock on the bathroom door twice. Chris tried to choose the largest bathroom, but it was still tiny and smelled like piss. A few seconds later Susan knocked, and he awkwardly let her in. They stood still for a moment, waiting for someone to knock on the door and demand they come out, but it didn't happen. So what do we do? Chris started. Well, you know... I need some part of you to neutralize your essence. Her face transformed into a seductive grin. Can you think of any way to get a sample of your essence? Hum? Susan practically purred. You aren't. Seriously? Not in here, surely? Chris stammered. Oh, yes, you said I'd have a chance later. Now I'm taking my chance. Pants down, Chris. Susan started on the buckle of his belt, turning to put the toilet lid down so she could sit while he backed up against the far wall, which wasn't far at all. Oh, shit. Chris moaned as Susan dropped his jeans and reached inside his briefs, snagging his semi-flaxed cock and pulling out into the open. It's magnificent like this, too, she said reverently, gently pulling her hand up towards its thickening head and feeling him swell under her touch. It only took a few soft strokes to have him rock hard, pointing up at her face, twitching with anticipation. Just tell me when you're going to come. Susan leaned forward and placed her full, soft lips against the side of its head, licking firmly right across his sensitive ridge. Ah, uh, holy shit. 
Chris hissed, trying to stay quiet as Susan looked up at him and moved to wrap her lips around his spongy head. He grunted as warmth surrounded him, and she sucked slightly. You have no idea how good that feels, Mom. However, she didn't continue like this, rather moving back to kiss and lick down his length, even holding it above her and gently pulling each of his soft testicles into her mouth. She started to jerk back and forth on his wet shaft with one hand, stimulating down near his thick root, while she nuzzled his balls. She cradled each in turn between her lips, sucking gently. Susan found herself getting very turned on. He looked down at her with such adoration and his scent was especially thick all over his crotch, making him delightfully satisfying to taste. His flavor of salty wood smoke and sweet, hot spices burst in her mouth when she coaxed a little dribble of precum out of his thick cock head. She knew she wasn't going to deep-throat him, didn't have the desire or experience to do so, but she was going to enjoy getting him off with her hands and mouth. She'd had to stretch her lips wide around his girth to roll her tongue around his susceptible glands, making him jump and groan. He thoughtfully reached to hold her long, black hair out of her face, and now his hands gently held her head but didn't guide her. Looking up, she watched as pleasured grimaces, astonishment, and pure lust played across his handsome face as he panted. Susan took a bit more of him into her mouth, the head and more, little by little, until she couldn't proceed without risking gagging. Chris groaned deeply as she sucked firmly, wrapping her lips tight and pulling back up his turgid dick, coming free with a lewd pop. She just grinned hungrily and took him back inside her hot mouth, establishing a good pace while her hand continued to jack his lower half, twisting a little in her strokes. Chris knew he was going to come soon. It was probably a good thing given their situation, the very situation which had him so wound up and excited. He was in a cramped airliner bathroom getting a wickedly hot blowjob from his own beautiful surrogate mother, the results of which would be used to stop various women on the plane from fucking him senseless against his will. How the fuck did it come to this? He asked himself as his dick twitched, preparing to shoot his load as Susan locked her lips behind his crown and sucked furiously. She was so silky and good sucking on his cock, jacking off the lower part, and fondling his balls while her mouth wreaked havoc up around his helmet with her wicked tongue. Her mouth was ravenous, giving him so much pleasure he had to shut his eyes and arch back against the sliding door. Fuck mom, I'm gonna come any second. Chris warned, teetering on the edge as her tongue played across the underside of his shaft. She barely managed to pull back in time, slipping her little glass vial flush against his hole as his unstoppable orgasm hit him in waves of bliss, rolling up and down his body as he shot off into the vial. He groaned as the pleasure renewed with each spurt, each violent clench of his muscles, felt all the way in his draining testicles. She was milking him like a prize stallion. He opened his eyes in shock as the warm heat of her mouth returned, holding him captive as he finished, apparently having enough in her little vial. She sucked a little and Chris moaned again, so sensitive in the midst of his orgasm. Susan felt a little bomb go off inside her as his last weak burst splashed across her tongue, gumming up her mouth a little. The magic in his semen triggered a tiny orgasm down in her belly. She hummed happily around his cock as her blissful pussy fluttered lightly in approval. He was thick and sticky on her tongue, again tasting exactly like he smelled but also salty and a little hot, like chili and sweet cinnamon. It made her mouth warm and tingly as the magic was absorbed into her body. She released him with a final suck, swallowing down what little she'd gotten. That's a weird experience right there, she said happily. You taste as delicious as you smell but it's sweet and tingles in my mouth, kind of like pop candy. Thanks, Chris panted, regaining his composure and stuffing his wilting cock back in his underwear. That is weird though, I wonder what a female dragon is like. Did you like it? Of course, what's not to like? You taste great, make me come a little, and charge me with more magic than I know what to do with. Don't ever hesitate to ask for a blowjob, honey. She tittered, still a little high on the small burst of magic she'd received. Well, I'll admit I never imagined those words ever passing your lips, or something else for that matter. Chris chuckled, pulling her up off the toilet seat and into his arms. He leaned down to kiss her, uncaring if he tasted himself. Apparently it was pretty good anyway. Susan kissed back hungrily, letting her tongue meet his between their lips and reaching up to play her hands through his hair as he cupped her face. Okay, don't we have a potion to make? Chris breathed as he they finally broke away from each other, pulling his jeans back up. Susan got the rest of the ingredients out of her little kit. What a waste. She murmured, holding up the vial of his thick, white cum before adding a few drops of detergent, some powdered rosemary, a little water, and a few flecks of silver. 
She stopped the vial before shaking it vigorously, infusing her will into the solution using the very energy he just given her. A lot of their magic was simple, like this. Ingredients were symbolic with the real magic coming from the well-formed intentions and energy of the being. For example, detergent and water were symbolic of cleaning and washing away while rosemary would give a strong scent to replace his pheromones lodged in someone's nose. Silver, like other precious metals or stones, was a conduit for her magical energy, allowing her intentions to slip into the vial and do their work. Done. She announced, holding up the light purple-colored liquid. Anyone who gets a drop on their skin should be immune to your charms for about a day. I guess we'll let Lillian do the honors on the crew then. Am I decent? Chris asked, checking down his front for any evidence of their bathroom misadventure. Barely. She teased. You're criminally handsome and you sap a woman's will to resist with powerful pheromones and insane, magical orgasms. You should really be locked away. PFTT. Chris exhaled. It's way more trouble than it's worth. Let's get out of here before we get banned from flying with Star Alliance. Susan giggled as they returned to their seats. She couldn't help it, she was too excited and now relieved that they were in the clear, that she hadn't gotten caught sucking her son's cock in an airplane bathroom. That might have been hard to explain. Okay Lillian, just use this eyedropper to put a drop on the flight attendant's skin, and anyone else who gets frisky. Just be careful, it's got some silver in it. Lillian was waiting for them, invisible and using her power to float at the top of the aisle. She took the vial out of Susan's hand, sniffing it delicately, detecting the silver and feeling that little urge to sneeze as a result. Silver wouldn't kill a vampire unless it was a stake but it would give her a burning rash if she touched it for too long, make her sick if she ingested it. Well, shit, there goes that plan, she thought grumpily. She floated off to dose the heartbroken flight attendant as Chris and Susan settled back into their seats. Just wait a second, I really need to pee. Susan said hurriedly, walking briskly towards the toilets. They were just past passport control at JFK in New York, but something didn't feel right to Chris. There was a tingling at the back of his neck which set him on edge. Do you feel that? Chris asked Lillian, invisible beside him. They were in a broad hallway leading to baggage claim. The plan was to check through to Denver on the next available flight. I feel something. Perhaps the humans have found one of their terrorists. Dude, don't even say the T-word here. Chris chuckled nervously. Then, everything seemed to go into slow motion as the peaceful environment was ruined with shouts and violence. A security door up ahead burst open and five men in black tactical gear and body armor rushed out, weapons drawn. They fanned out as someone screamed. People were getting down on the floor with their hands above their heads. A door down the hall behind him banged open as well and another set of men wielding assault rifles advanced in his direction, followed by a man and woman in dark clothing touting pistols. They were all human. As they converged, it suddenly registered with him that they were shouting for him to get down on his knees. They were after him, but why? He hadn't done anything to set the cops after him. Still, some of his ingrained human terror at being confronted by police with automatic weapons came to the fore and for a few seconds he forgot he was a dragon entirely. He sensed Lillian about to leap into action, probably to kill them all before they knew their teammates were dying. That wouldn't help though, he'd be the most wanted man in the States. This had to be resolved without revealing the secret. Lillian, take Susan and get back to Denver. He said softly with a calmness, he didn't feel inside. Figure out what's going on and get Rayla to track me down. His dragon wanted to fight but Chris maintained in control. He couldn't just attack all these people in broad daylight at a busy airport. I can't just let them take you. Lillian hissed, watching the dragon get on his knees with his hands behind his head. The commandos were advancing very cautiously. And how will the deaths of the team sent to collect me help my situation? I'll look after myself and maybe we can figure out what the fuck is going on. We don't have any other choice. But... Lillian started. Go. No. Chris whispered. They were almost on him. Lillian stepped back, watching as a woman came forward and put thick cable ties around his wrists behind his back. As if they would hold a dragon. He was right though, she couldn't just kill all these men. It would spark a huge investigation. So reluctantly, Lillian retreated to the woman's bathroom to collect Susan. Christopher Barris, you're under arrest for conspiracy to commit terrorism said the olive-skinned woman before lowering her voice. I won't bother reading the rest of your rights. I doubt they actually apply to you anyway. Chris didn't say anything, just relaxed himself as they slipped a black hood over his face and dragged him up roughly. 
Someone came out of the bathroom saying that Susan wasn't there. The woman cursed quietly. Where is she? Chris smiled under his hood. As if I tell you. He expected to be hit or something. Instead he was marched off. He sent out his senses, gathering any information he could as they led him back through one of the doors they'd come through. Down several hallways to a brief stop where the woman and man who were obviously in charge informed someone that his cooperation was much appreciated. They loaded him into some sort of van, putting a linked bracelet and ankle cuff set on him and attaching it to several bolts in the floor, strapping him into his seat as well with wire mesh reinforced straps. Chris felt and heard the other humans in the van with him. The woman who'd cuffed him and the man who appeared to be her partner, as well as two of the tactical guys and someone driving. He thought about making a move now that they were more secluded but realized he had no idea what was outside the vehicle as it sped away. He couldn't afford to screw this up, especially with the secret held in the balance. Although, given the woman's little jib about his rights, he doubted the secret was as intact as beings believed it to be. Just how much did these humans know about him? And who the hell were they? The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allow members to request future stories and themes. Links are in the description. Thank you for listening.